Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hoger. Stephen, you've been here for a long time. Yeah, I I feel like... I don't want to say too long because I've been enjoying being home. Yeah. But I feel like it's, uh, I'm so used to like getting our time together for game of the year and then seeing you in like four months. Yeah. So this all kind of feels like a dream to Yeah. Me. We recorded the episode before Goaty together, the yes. immortality bonus together, yes. then Goaty, and now this. And now this. It's, it's, it's a dream come true, really. It's pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. I fly back to the Windy City in like two days. Yeah. So it's right towards the end of my New Jersey journey. Yeah. Uh, but a- as such, you really only came with what you packed, you know, like you, I-, I feel like over the course of the past couple of weeks, we hit our goal on Patreon as we yeah. mentioned the Goaty episode. Uh, Thank so, you to everyone who helped with that. Yeah, for real. Um, and that means that we have to do the 3DS bonus that we have to, <laughs> uh, which is really exciting. If we like, I mean, let's be real. If we like really struggled to hit it, we would have done it anyway. I feel like that's probably true. Yeah. I feel yeah. like we, would just add a spite like a really shitty version of it you know like a really bad one all everything's wrong code name steam code name yeah. steam code name steam code name steam <laughs> i actually haven't played that yet I, we were just we were just at a, at a diner before we started recording and i was just like i'm just waiting for the day when i can drop the code name steam bomb yeah. in an episode but i'm I mean, so excited with jokes aside like we really did want to do that and i'm really happy we're able to now that we have the support to yeah do it. it's really exciting we have some fun ideas for it i think it's going to be good we we're talking about maybe like combining the structure of games of the decade with the game of the year episodes so like yeah. potentially doing something that's less of like we each make a top 10 and more we have like a kind of collective list of games and then settle on a top five mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll play it by ear yeah yeah i think um because our our whole thing with this episode and, and what we've been saying since the beginning is like we don't want to not that we don't want to do it but we didn't want it to be like the ds or the game boy advance one where it's like we're, we're not going to prepare for the entire year because uh, you and I are like pretty frequently playing 3DS stuff anyway, and yeah. it's like recent enough that I feel like I we were just saying like we could sit down right now and record the episode right now. I would rather give myself some more time to like yeah, well, get kind of more deeper things, into some stuff. some things. Yeah, but I I have a pretty good idea of how I feel about the catalog right now. But given that, it doesn't make as much sense to come in and do like the top ten then ITA top five structure. Kind of makes more sense to be like let's just like highlight a bunch of cool stuff. Because at the end of the day, I mean, it also serves a little bit to me like a i don't want to say like a buyer's guide but like the 3ds eShop is going to go down soon uh so if you just want like a a list of cool stuff that is worth picking up before that happens that's kind of i think what the episode is feels the most like a farewell which is kind of bittersweet yeah right every other system you know and it's cool i mean the the systems that we've covered so far like are available in one way or another um, yeah. you know, whether it's like, you know, more through emulation or, 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 you know, just easier to find generally. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, it, it, this is the first time we're doing one where like, as a system is like, yeah. you know, the sun is setting on it. We're doing the episode. Yeah. Such a bummer. It um, is. but I'm glad, I'm glad we're able to do the episode before that happens at least. Me too. And we were saying too, at the, at the diner that like that system is weirdly synonymous with us becoming close friends right yeah so i think that whole episode is going to have a fun energy to it yeah i think it'll be good so so thank you to everybody who uh backed the patreon especially with the changes to the patreon and stuff um really really means a lot i mean absolutely we can't do the show without the help of the patrons uh and it's just very cool um we we don't we don't take it lightly that people are backing the show yeah uh, absolutely um so thank you to everybody who's done that uh also just generally uh thanks everybody for listening to the goatee episode i mean every year we look forward to doing that one it's it's obviously like a really fun time uh and it's cool to hang out with aj in person and the three of us get to like hang out all day and do it and like that's 
just like a nice way to cap off the end of the year. But, you know, as as usual, I feel like the response was, you know, mammoth. It was really yeah, cool. Yeah, especially because it's our second longest episode ever. Yeah, I can't believe that. It didn't feel that way when we recorded it. It, it didn't. I think I not I'm not gonna blame AJ here, but I think the fact that there were three people sharing their full list did add a little bit. Uh, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's but, definitely I mean, what probably happened. not that much because last year was like five hours. I think someone in the Discord shared the length of the Goaty episodes and they've gotten an hour longer each time. Really? Because the first one, I, or may, <laughs> maybe maybe not exactly, but I, they do get longer each time. That is sure. funny. Yeah, the first one was pretty short by comparison. Yeah, yeah. we were children. We, 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 were, we, we didn't we know babes. what we were saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We had no idea what was going on. In a post-Games of the Decade world, time is, is, is less of a material thing. Yeah. Uh, but I say that because like it's a, it's it's a perhaps silly length of an episode, and the fact that people like listen to the whole thing or like enjoying it, saying like how fast it went by, it really does. Like the fact that we can release in a six-hour episode and have confidence that people will enjoy it says a lot. About- yeah, waking up the next morning to people being like, "I finished it," was like <laughs> <laughs> wild. Um, really cool. So thank thank you to everybody who who checked the show out. Uh, if, if that was your first episode, thank you so much for joining. Yeah. This is your first normal episode yeah, thanks for joining us again yeah um, but we didn't scare you off with... <laughs> thank you for coming back yeah thanks for coming back <laughs> i think i think in general <laughs> i don't know why that's so funny <laughs> they wanted to hang out again <laughs> they didn't great. run away <laughs> so this episode uh, we've been looking forward to is it's this is just like really like what is it january 4th today yeah or the day the episode comes out today like right now today is the second of january (laughs) yeah so like this is literally right after new year's right after game of the year yeah this is like at a point where the new year has yet to even fully materialize yeah i've I've come to really appreciate a real day it's not a real day everything around us is a, is a is a hallucination but uh i've come to really enjoy this time of year like for the show and just for myself because I, I love sort of like we're kind of free from the stress of the holidays and like there's not at least for us there's not a lot going on yeah so it gives us time to like just sort of like recalibrate and and like reflect as people but also like for the show we can really live up the we're not beholden to the release schedule <laughs> right like this time of year like this is when we get into the weird stuff you yeah, know right this is when we one of of us will have finished like a, a cdr series or something or dvr <laughs> whatever it's called Dis- the when discs were new we've played them yeah yeah, yeah. the one game released on laser disc we'll, we'll <laughs> find a way to play it the fmv game um, i played all the hidden games on the lion king one and a half dvd <laughs> yeah and uh, homestar runners web page yeah yeah if you hang out on the menu long enough you can watch pumba eat bugs <laughs> And he counts them. Um, that's that's a post New Year's energy. That is the post New Year's energy. Yeah, yeah. which is I, I totally agree with you. It's like my favorite time of year. Uh, I will say, I mean, looking back at 2022, I will say it's in retrospect. I think the first year where, even though like the mantra of the show is we're not beholden to new releases and stuff, you and I frequently check out new stuff just because we're interested in it. You yeah. know, like we spend a lot of time checking out older stuff, but the further into the year we get every year, the more new stuff we end up playing just because like we're drawn to it. Yeah. It's it's not for like content reasons. It's literally just like what we're interested in. I will say last year was the first year ever where I think I overdid it for myself with, <laughs> with new stuff. Oh, so you were a little bit beholden to 
the release schedule. No, and like not not even that I was beholden to it, but just like I was so interested in everything that came out that I think actually in 2022 I played too much stuff. <laughs> Honestly, I, like well, yeah, look, I mean, you're listed like what 60 games on it. Yeah, yeah, which again, like the length of the episode, every single year increasing. My list of potential games that could make the cut increases every year. Also, it's one it's one of the blessings and curses of having the backlogged list every year of all the stuff that I'm uh, I'm playing because I can see visually like oh yeah I played like 20 more games this year than I did the previous year like new stuff and I'll, you know we play like a pretty decent amount of things before we bring into the show for the most part I I don't I don't know if I'm going to commit myself to that again this year <laughs> I honestly think like 2022 was a little bit of uh, a, a lesson for me I think in that in that sense where it's like I I want to spend more time in things so I can get a better picture of them, right? You want like, to play less games for more time. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think that's that's my uh, into the aether New Year's resolution. I like that. I, I've I've also and this is a game I think you're going to talk about in a bit, but um, I don't know. If this is a resolution of mine, but it is an observation. Where like I'm looking in that Chain Echoes uh, Discord channel. Yeah, man. Everyone's gushing about Chain Echoes. There's all these like really intense blocked out paragraphs of text and yeah, i haven't dude. i haven't even clicked them out of curiosity i've just been looking at it and and part of me was like isn't it cool letting someone else be excited like i still haven't played any more of it i'm just <laughs> like i'm kind of just like happy people are that ex- like i'm gonna get to it eventually yeah but sometimes it's like man like i'm so glad someone else is having the time of their life i don't need to do this right now yeah yeah uh i think when you get around to it it's gonna blow oh, your yeah, no, mind it, definitely that's a game i want to play but it, it just it was just funny because it's usually like me with the unhinged energy and mm-hmm. i'm like oh it's so nice to not be that guy for once yeah, yeah. it's a uh, 2023 game of the year i think yeah, uh, yeah. i'm gonna be shocking. that guy in a week i'll i'll say this much i i wasn't i wasn't gonna talk about it like for a full segment but i will say that i'm like deep 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 into i guess what is considered act two mm-hmm. um and if you've played any jrpg before you kind of know what energy that brings you know like sure. the world map is pretty open the party you know has filled out and has ballooned and increased uh you have a lot of skills at your disposal you're kind of like min maxing who you want you're finding like the best weapon for people like i'm kind of in that realm of the game now it it's like amazing how good chained echoes is at hitting all of the beats that you want and doing them in ways that don't feel like totally derivative yeah it's like they're taking inspiration from everything and blending it together in a thing that feels both exactly what you're expecting and subverting it just enough to make it exciting i mean Um, even just and the, the story is yeah. exhilarating. I've, I've still somehow, I don't know why I haven't gotten back to it, but I've only played up until where we talked about it a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's like the opening credits, basically. Yeah. And um, even just that beginning, you can tell like they're pulling from like eight different games here. Yeah. It's and it, cool. it's something we talk about a lot. I think we've mentioned this when like this time last year, talking about Weird Season, you were playing all the Tokyo RPG factory yeah. stuff. That was during our preparation for the Chrono Trigger bonus. Mm-hmm. And I think you and I had a lot of conversations about like homage and inspiration and like there's no right way to be inspired. You yeah. know, there's there's no like <laughs> and if there is, I don't think any one person could could hold that answer. Mm-hmm. But I do think that like if you are if your mission is like we want to pay homage to these games, the more games the better. Because yeah. if it's just one, you're inviting that comparison the most. Mm. And I think it's going to fall it's gonna fall back because there's just less ingredients, you know? Yeah. Like I think at a certain point when you do say like i like this from this and i like this piece of this even as the act of picking and choosing 
from other games, your thought process of what you're picking is actually like the secret ingredient that creates a new thing, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, I I think that's where Chained Echoes kind of has that missing ingredient that so many like purposely retro RPGs lack. I think um, CrossCode also feels really fresh in that way. Where like, I agree. Even just the... You know, the idea of it being kind of meta where you're like in an MMO and, and sort of the uh, the the sort of twin stick arcade vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 cool to see, like to try to find the answer of like, when does it feel like when does homage work and when it doesn't? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think I think you're totally on the money. I feel like a thing that I have repeated a lot and I feel like I probably said on the show before, but it's just like every person like you could sit down and try your best to like recreate from the ground up the thing that you're inspired by. And just by nature of you being a different person than the person who made it, you'll make something different. Absolutely. Um, and I think the closer you get to the thing you're inspired by, the worse that ends up being usually. <laughs> um, and it's nice that Chained Echoes is pulling from a billion and a half things. Absolutely. Also, just honestly, and, and this might sound silly and it might sound a little bit like 2007. I love The Dark Knight, but like <laughs> I, I really appreciate the game is rated M and like is dealing with kind of like adult conversations and adult themes sure yeah um, I, I didn't I, realize it was rated m i haven't yeah. seen like an esrb rating yeah i didn't i didn't time. think about it until i saw somebody like say fuck in the game <laughs> and was like whoa it, it, it suddenly like it, it didn't pull me out of the game but i was like okay i didn't even know that was in the possibility space right of like the genre you right. know and and that immediately like once once i started kind of getting more into the flow and being like okay that that's going to be the vibe of the game it does add a little bit more weight to things i think well it's different i mean how many games in that visual style are like willing to sort of tackle head on yeah. like heavier like, usually it's like alluded or there's like an allegory for something like even chrono trigger like you know we we've said like there there is possibly like a global warming like mm-hmm. you know environmental collapse allegory right or just at the very least like what is like mortal civilization's relationship with a planet yeah you know but like the, usually it's like through the lens of fantasy so it's like well, what happens when there is no lens and it's just like mm-hmm. more i guess grounded in in uh gritty reality yeah Man, it's a good game. I'm excited for you to play more of it. Yeah, it's, yeah, we'll definitely talk more about it soon. I, I think it was just nice to like see people excited about a game I haven't played. Mm-hmm. It's just nice sometimes to not have a take. You know what I mean? Like it's just like, <laughs> yeah, like I don't feel I don't know anything yet. This is great. <laughs> I'm just like a baby that wasn't yeah. born yet. This yeah, is great. I'm just a circle on a on a page. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a point in space that's not given length or width yet. This is awesome. <laughs> that's 2023 game that's of the year. 2023 game of the year. Um, <laughs> so I think we wanted to open with some updates, right? Yeah. I feel like we're well on our way through those at this point. Yeah. Uh, I, oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> this, this blew my mind. All right. So, uh, this is related to the Goatee episode. This is maybe the first time ever that I've needed to issue a correction. Oh yes. Here we go. On, <laughs> on an episode. Yeah. Um, I, it should be noted that my lizard is looking me directly in the eyes. Like he's upset that I've done this. Um, <laughs> yeah, we said I'm a, I'm a point in space and he's like, let me tell you more about space. <laughs> Hello. Okay. So in my segment about Vampire Survivors, uh, one of my top games of the year, yeah, I had I had a long impassioned speech about how it was like a wholly original idea, uh, and then I compared it to Threes and Twenty Forty Eight, a very classic case of an indie developer creating something, getting immediately ripped off, and that rip off becoming like the cultural touchstone for that genre of thing. 
not realizing uh, at all, and and <laughs> thank you to the people in the Discord who called this out, that Vampire Survivors and the developer of Vampire Survivors has cited like very explicitly and directly in multiple interviews with multiple people that Vampire Survivors is like wholly inspired by another game called Magic Survival that's available on on Android. Only on Android, which is interesting. The game yeah. is like not widely available. It's only on Android. But the developer has said that they played a lot of that game, loved it, and wanted to like do their own spin on it. And that's what Vampire Survivors is. Cool. So ironically... In my whole impassioned speech about about threes in twenty forty eight, I didn't realize that Vampire Survivors is a little bit the twenty forty eight of this genre of game. Sure, I will say I think I, I haven't been able to play Magic Survival myself. I really wanted to, but yeah. I don't. I don't have a way of doing that at the moment because I don't have an Android. Oh, I shit! I do have an Android phone in a box. It's I, waiting I, for you. I, I could have played it. Uh, maybe maybe next week. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I didn't play it, but I did watch some footage of it just because I wanted to see the differences between the two. And I do think Vampire Survivors is like an interesting spin on it. I think it, I think it's it's doing some different things that Magic Survival is doing. Um, and I do think there are about a billion and a half games on the Android and iOS app stores that are like actually just blatant ripoffs of Vampire Survivors specifically. So I don't think the point is totally moot, but I did want to issue that correction because I, I had in all of the research I'd done about Vampire Survivors totally missed all that information yeah no, it's it's like you and i are going to be wrong every now and then yeah, but i do course. think it was worth adding the addendum to that conversation but yeah i think your yeah. point still stands it's like just cool to see something like fresh right yeah. right and the developer shouted it out so it's sort of like a yeah kind of like a stardew valley scenario yeah exactly a little bit yeah but anyway did, did want to bring that up because <laughs> uh, that made me laugh uh the other thing and this is this is a little bit more uh esoteric i guess but i did i did want to just mention over the past couple months i would say uh i don't even know how long it's been but i think it's been a couple months uh the elon musk purchase of twitter has made me a person who's been using twitter since i was in high school feel less comfortable using that platform yeah um the stuff that he's done uh just in terms of like firing most of the staff and banning journalists and limiting links to other social media platforms despite saying he's a free speech absolutist um like just more and never more. has a veneer just like fallen off faster it's shocking it's yeah. sh i just saw an article that said he's the first person to ever lose 200 billion dollars <laughs> uh which oof chef's kiss anyway i've just felt less comfortable using twitter over time you don't like views i don't like that they added views to tweets <laughs> uh, i'm just kidding so. i uh personally um just didn't feel comfortable being on that service anymore That's i think, I I think one of the big things for me honestly like i care a lot about all the stuff that i just said but i also know that there's this kind of like lingering fight with with the ftc uh there's like this lingering fight with like uh him and the team that sets up like the user security and user safety teams and the content moderation teams and i just i don't feel comfortable like having any data of mine in the hands of elon musk anymore sure freaks me out uh so i per i personally have like bailed off twitter completely at this point i've been updating the into the aether twitter uh recently just for like new episodes and things like yeah. that like that that i've still been updating um but i did want to like figure out kind of something new um and if you watched my shovel knight dig videos you might have seen one that was all about like twitter alternatives and what i was thinking about and the two that i really landed on were tumblr and mastodon um tumblr we set up a tumblr account a couple weeks ago i yeah. shouted it out thank you to everybody who's following it um that's kind of like our 
facto home, I guess. It feels the mo- it feels like the clearest fit for for the stuff we post. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of messages also from people on Tumblr that are like, I can't believe how quickly you just <laughs> slotted into the chaos that Tumblr allows for. I will say I had a big Tumblr phase, like, you know, way, 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 that's, way, way. That's back. the biggest obstacle. Like when you when you tell someone like the new cool spot is Tumblr, everyone's like, I don't want to face my like persona for self. Yeah, you know? Yeah. I don't want to face my like 2012 obsession yeah. with like, you know, choose your thing. Yeah, here's the thing. Here's here's my here's my recommendation for you, dear listener. If you're considering going back to Tumblr, uh, don't go back to Tumblr. Make Set a up a new one. account. Yeah. Forget your old account. Leave it in the dust. It's 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 Woody and Buzz. <laughs> I somehow didn't have one. So I, like when I made my new one, it yeah. was like just from scratch. Yeah. But watching Advent Children with you, I did see <laughs> a possibility. A po- and I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, I don't want to go back there. Well, mm-hmm. maybe I do. Or maybe I've always been there. Yeah. You know, right. Regardless. Yeah. Uh, so we, we have a Tumblr. It's uh, into the cast.tumblr.com. That's around. But Mastodon, I will say, uh, I know I know it has the it it has the reputation of being like quote unquote difficult. And I don't think that that's true at all, if I'm being totally honest. So I have two things to say about that. Number one is that I've made uh, an into the Aether Mastodon account. Cool. It's specifically like a server for us. So it's the Aether.space is is uh, where that, that is located. Um, so if you want to follow into the Aether on there, it's uh, the Aether.space slash at into the cast, uh, which is very similar to what it already is on Twitter. Um, if you want to follow me, I'm at BB on there. AJ is at AJ on there. Steven will have one eventually. I have yet to be there, but I'll make one eventually. I've, I've been like, I've also been like very much less active on Twitter, but I've just been less active everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just figuring, like, I think Tumblr is like probably where I'll, I'll end up sharing most of my stuff. So yeah. if you want to follow like, except for the show where like when I share like drawings and artwork and stuff, like that will probably be mostly on Tumblr at yeah. this point or Instagram too, but Instagram's always been kind of boring to me. <laughs> well, like I'll, I'm there, but like I'm not like, I don't want to be there. It's worth mentioning and I'm not going to go into to like the the back end of how Mastodon works, yeah. but Tumblr is also adopting that same open source back end of Mastodon. So what's cool is that eventually Mastodon and Tumblr will like talk back and forth with one another, oh, and cool. like you can follow a Tumblr from Mastodon and vice versa. So that'll that'll be able to that'll happen eventually. It'll link everything More together. Seamless, It'll yeah. be beautiful. But I did just want to shout that out. If you're interested in Mastodon, I also wrote a piece uh, on my blog that's like how to use Mastodon that's like very like basic. I'm not going to tell you about federation. I'm not going to tell you about in- <laughs> like why instances should exist. Like it's just... You want to be your own boss? Yeah, it's it's just very basic. Um, just because I, I read a lot of explainers and I've been asked in the Discord multiple times like how does Mastodon work? Should I get into it? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, and a lot of the explainers I read were like, it's so difficult to use and I hate it. And it's not going to be the future. It's like, I don't, I don't think it needs to be the future, but it's replaced Twitter for me. And that's nice. Yeah. I I think that's the, and this is a larger question for a different podcast, I think, but (laughs) like, I don't think we need to replace Twitter. I, I totally agree. Yeah. I think that like we can all move on from Twitter in different ways. Yes, I agree. You know, because I think replacing Twitter means I want a new utilitarian endless feed owned <laughs> by a giant company. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> uh, not to be like too nihilistic about because I do like Twitter has been helpful for like many people, yeah. many communities. It's been it's been like my de facto social media of choice, but it kind of feels like it was that due to lack of option. Like it wasn't like mm-hmm. people were like fuck yeah Twitter. It was like where else am I gonna go? Like Applebee's. Like this is all that's the, you know. <laughs> I'm not going to share this on Facebook or, you know, exactly. Like, yeah. So I just think like, it almost reminds me, and this is maybe like, 
I don't know this, how connected this is, but this is what my brain is connected is like the current state of like streaming services where mm-hmm. like there is so much competition to Netflix now that like I think there's a lot more interesting stuff happening with the more like niche and genre specific yeah. streaming services like Criterion Collection, Crunchyroll, like, yeah. you know, not that it's like better or worse. I just think it's interesting that like we're now kind of almost back to cable TV in mm-hmm. some ways. And I feel like the same with social media where like pre MySpace even there were just sort of like corners of the internet you would go if you had like an interest about something. Yeah. And in a weird way, it feels like we're like moving back to that, but in a different lens. Yeah. Which I'm is totally just with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. When, when you look at the, the places that people are not, not to turn this into a tech podcast, but yeah. the, when you look at the places that people are going post Twitter, the answers are for the most part, like really disparate. And it really depends on what you're into and what you want to do on the internet yeah. and like what you were using Twitter for. So, you know, for me, somebody who is very interested in tech, Mastodon was kind of like a no brainer because a lot of the people that I followed in the tech world also moved over to Mastodon immediately and had like in 2018 when it first popped up on the internet. Um, so a lot of those people just like popped back on and that, that was kind of like a, an, an easy jump. Um, but the other part of me that's like, you know, wants to share the weirdest shit I can find on the internet, um, and just shit post constantly like Tumblr, Tumblr was there for me yeah. also, but you know, there are places like discord, like setting up, you know, personal discord yeah. servers and stuff like that has replaced that. Anyway, even backlogged, I feel like has been like a helpful addition. Absolutely. And yeah. letterboxd, you know, I mean, they come with their own caveats. Uh, we were joking with AJ about like every review and backlog is either like, in the world of interactive fiction, like, you know, at the beginning mm-hmm. or it's like, fuck off, you know, half a star. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I love it. It's great. Yeah. It's it's a fun place to be. All of that said. Yes. The Aether.space is where yes. you can find uh, is where you can find the show on Mastodon. Um, and uh, part of that also includes the fact that anytime we post on Mastodon, it will automatically post to Twitter. So we're not like leaving Twitter, but the stuff isn't going to originate there in the future. I, right. think, I think is kind of where we're at. Uh, so I just wanted to give a shout out uh to that just kind of an update there um and i imagine into the cast that online will have links to all that stuff it does yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and the show notes and everything like it'll all it'll all be updated uh, i think i mean it is already updated this has been generally speaking when i have like two weeks off i'm gonna get you know neck deep in some weird project and this is just for some reason <laughs> what i decided to do uh so there it once is once i watch all the final fantasy 15 spin-off <laughs> media figured well what's the future of social media man i hit that eject button out of final fantasy 15 so fast oh really yeah uh i, did I don't want to say i told you so but i I'm, I'm glad you gave it a shot i think i mean i could see myself going back to it um yeah. but it was just like the weird fixation i had pre goatee you know yeah uh, and post goatee it's not what i'm interested in at all it's definitely like i mean like we mentioned in that episode there's a lot to admire about it like there is yeah. good stuff there yeah um, i kind of i do want to know where the story goes and i and i'm trying to figure sure. out what the best way of of getting to that would be because yeah. right now the part of the game I'm at is like do the same mission over and over and over and over again uh-huh. it's like I don't want to do that yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm wondering if the answer is to go back to the pocket edition on the switch but yeah make your I, I want to see the Brendan Bigley machete order for <laughs> FF15 because I know you followed one already but I feel like there's a missing ingredient there yeah that involves pocket edition and maybe Evan children somehow yeah. it's a it's a big cinnamon stick <laughs> <laughs> the missing ingredient um there's also the like arcade side scroller game yes. uh which i don't know if that's in the mix at all yeah and uh the online only uh multiplayer like horde based defense tower defense game i don't i don't even know <laughs> there's like there's like some other there's some other thing that's like 100 hours amazing long. Uh, those are all my updates. Cool. That's it. Did we want to announce the bonus for this month as <laughs> oh, well? Oh, one more update. Yeah. So we have chosen our bonus episode for this month. This is the bonus episode available to everyone. 
Uh, and for January, for the new year, it's going to be Animal Crossing New Leaf. Yeah. Yeah. I, we're both so excited. I'm really excited about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of candidates because like usually for this month, we like giving ourselves like a little bit of a break, which is actually not true. Like, I, like when I was deciding what we wanted to do, I'm like, we always give ourselves a little bit of a break. Right. And I'm like looking back and it's like Chrono Trigger and Dragon Quest 11 <laughs> were, were the other ones. But at the same time, those are games that we like wanted to play at that time. Right. So like not that we ever don't want to play the game for the bonus, but like usually January is either like what game are we like already playing that we want to play more of mm-hmm. or like what is something we've been like meaning to play and we had a few options and it just felt like doing something animal crossing and kind of also related to the 3ds uh just felt correct yeah uh you know we have a lot of episodes about new horizons which is a game we love we have a couple about new leaf uh animal crossing means a lot to both of us and we thought it might be fun to do new leaf and to also kind of do it in a slightly more experimental way yeah so we have we have two thoughts two big thoughts or two two ideas that we're going to do uh first of all for the actual episode itself our plan is we're going to kind of games of the decade keeps coming up today uh we're gonna games of the decade style record segments throughout the month updating each other on what's going on with our islands in new leaf i think it remains to be seen i think you're going back to an island that you previously made i don't know what i'm gonna do i i either have an island waiting for me i'm not actually sure i think that might be part of the first episode yeah, is like yeah. that discovery of where what's going are on we there. yeah, yeah. Wh- when are we <laughs> yeah. when are we exactly. um where's the mayor yeah the first episode yeah that, that'll be really interesting um but uh we're we're going to do a couple a couple segments uh, throughout the month. So we'll we'll have, you know, one big episode that takes place over the course of a month. So like our month returning to New Leaf, which I think will be really interesting. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, the other thing we wanted to do, because New Leaf and Animal Crossing in general is more fun when there are more people. And, and as everybody knows from New Horizons on the Switch, that coming out and that being this like big bombastic community was really fun and really cool and really interesting. So what we wanted to do for New Leaf is to see if we can kind of replicate that a little bit. So for those of you who still have your 3DS and still have a copy of Animal Crossing New Leaf, please join us in some yes. way, shape, or form. Start a new island, return to your old island, like get back into that game just for one month, do it along with us. And we actually created a new Tumblr blog, uh, which has submissions open and asks open, which means that you can send us images or text, you know, like write up like what's going on in your island or something. Write up what's going on. Or your town. I guess. Oh, yeah. In, in your town, uh, you know, who your favorite villager is. Send us screenshots. Send us whatever. Um, and this is just going to be this kind of like big ongoing public diary of everybody getting back into New Leaf in January of 2023. And it can be like a place you've had for years. You don't have to start over. Yeah, you can exactly. Do whatever you want. Um, so that link is also going to be in the description, but it's uh, ITA New Leaf dot tumblr.com and the main picture is is the cat tabby yes tabby tabby who who we were like who should be the mascot yeah and it took like at least five minutes it was long enough that we gave it thought it was fast enough that we followed our hearts and it was (laughs) tabby was the result of both processes so check that out and uh start playing along with us um i'll probably have at least a post or two there by the time this episode comes out because i'm so excited i mean honestly like i feel like this time of year playing a game that has any kind of set sort of ritual or like schedule Mm-hmm. is so helpful for me for multiple reasons and i think it's going to be just like a bomb to the soul yeah playing that game yeah i think it'll be really good i love that game so much i mean we don't have to go into it now but that's like i've been playing animal crossing since i was i don't know a kid and I, on the on the ds uh and new leaf is like the one for me i brought it to the show not too long ago like last year maybe in the summer sometime because i had the urge to revisit it's also worth noting like you can get 
like a physical copy of the game for like 20 bucks like it's pretty yeah, it's one of the nintendo available. selects yeah yeah and and it uh like the complete edition too like with all the post-game Harvey welcome stuff. amiibo welcome amiibo harv's island but before <laughs> it became like a, a 24 horror film <laughs> yeah so that's going to be awesome so really looking forward to that and uh please please do send us uh stuff on tumblr if, if you do decide to go back as well yeah oh we'll also have a discord channel specifically yes. for, for new leaf so uh if, if you want to get in on that and you know start trading turnips and stuff like go for it <laughs> oh yeah wow um so it's gonna be fun so uh that's gonna be this one's bonus yeah wow wow our whole first segment was updates it was 35 minutes of updates i mean it's the new year it's january 2nd <laughs> it's the day for updates it sure is do you want to take a break here and then come back with just like what we've been doing if for weeks yeah for weeks yeah yeah wait how long has it been since we last recorded oh man when did we record Goaty? It's been a long time. Yeah. And honestly, like for that first week, I was just working on the artwork, basically. Yeah. Uh, oh, we, we recorded that on the 17th. The 17th. Then we took that next week off. Yeah. And then it came out on the 20th. So this, wow. This has it is, been two weeks? This is maybe the longest we've ever gone without recording. The, I literally just pulled out my phone and turned my phone off of airplane mode and I got two texts about Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> Well, Which let's take a break a so, we can, yeah, so we can read and respond to those. Give me a second. Uh, I got to I gotta get a new phone. Yeah. Let me get an Android <laughs> to play Magic Survival. <laughs> <laughs> new number. Uh, I'm going to get us some more mold wine. Yes, and, please. And uh, we'll, we'll come back with uh, what you've been up to. Yeah, I'll start. In your break. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello, we're back. Hello. Steven, I have a question for you. What's up? What have you been up to? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if Hot Ones had that kind of those kind of questions? <laughs> What's up? Yeah, what if yeah, <laughs> yeah, what if Sean Evans was specifically known for being the worst interviewer yeah, of all right. time? Yeah, right. Cuz I think part of what makes that show fun is that he actually does good questions. Yeah, he's like Nardwar level. <laughs> oh my god. I never connected the two. Yeah. I I've wanted Nardwar on Hot Ones for so long. God, I feel like how good you, would that be? Nardwar is hot sauce like as an energy, you know? So I feel like if you combine the two, right? Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. Oh my god. That was a good Nardwar. I've watched a lot of Nardwar. It's yeah, like me my too. biggest secret. Yeah. His interview, both interviews of Henry Rollins are like mm. unbelievable. Because <laughs> there's a point in the first one when Henry Rollins flips, mm. and that that's like the best part of like. Because I think now everyone kind of knows his. Everyone shtick, knows who he is. Yeah. But in like the '90s when he's interviewed, like they're all so mean to him. Yeah. Like Sonic right. Youth. It's it's honestly makes me like it has made me dislike some bands because of how mean they are in Nardwar. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, everyone realizes how remarkable he is eventually. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's what happens with the Henry Rollins one is like, he's like, Hey, look, we're not gonna do this all day. Like ask your last question. That's it. Yeah. And he's like, okay, Henry Rollins, I just want to know, why did you leave the, the Vancouver tapes? And like, he, like, he just like barrages him with like eight, like deep cuts about like, you yeah. know, black flag and all this stuff. And he's like, I got to respect the effort. All right. We'll do a few more. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh, that's awesome. It's amazing. Watch but, Nardwar. Uh, Nardwar. Anyway, what have I been up? to not interviewing henry rollins uh with hot sauce mm -hmm. um i have been playing my steam deck so i brought with me from chicago my switch and my steam deck yeah and one of the first things i did which feels like primordial behavior at this point is i downloaded skyrim for the perfect fifth time <laughs> 
360, I got it the day it came out, 11, 11, 11 uh-huh. on 360, yeah. which now feels like boomer energy. It's been long enough that that is like not even impressive anymore. <laughs> it's like, I saw Boston on their first tour. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So I got I, I got Skyrim the day it came out uh-huh. in college. Yeah. Uh, and then I got it again on the PS4. Mm-hmm. And then I got it again on the Xbox, yeah. which is my first time experiencing mods for it, mm. which that is boomer energy. Yeah. Experiencing mods a decade later. Yeah. Uh, and then now on the Steam Deck, I've I had not played Skyrim handheld. I had a lot of friends who like played Skyrim for the first time on Switch, mm-hmm. which seemed like a pretty good. Port it's good of on it. Switch. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't like, want to count how many times I bought Skyrim, but I I have played it on. I think most things has been released. Yeah. More. It's like Doom at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Switch. I, I feel like the interesting thing about Skyrim is every time you revisit it, you'll have mostly the same experience. You know, like you kind of know what you're in for. And that's one of the reasons you keep going back to it. Sure. Right? I mean, that's at least my thing. Yeah. I don't want to speak for you, but I, I like it because it's comforting. Right. And there have been a couple times where I've gone into it on a new platform thinking I, I know what I'm getting into. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is new. Yeah. Switch was one of them. Weirdly, having yeah. it handheld does feel remarkably different than every other version of it. It was pretty cool. I, I have to say it's not I don't think this is going to be a playthrough I like fall into the yeah. same way, but it's like just nice to have. Like it was fun to just start it up and right and make a new character. But what I also got on my Steam Deck, another 2010 hit uh, is Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Uh, right. Yeah. So it was on sale, right? It was on sale. Yeah. And that was a game where I was I almost joked to myself, like, should I buy this again to have it on the Steam Deck? Yeah, it's a good. It's I a good will buy. say this. Uh. When you first booted up on the Steam Deck, for the deckheads out there who want to know how this runs, mm-hmm. um, when you booted up for the first time, there's a weird EA launcher that's like, do you want to make an EA account? Ugh. Please! Don't you want to make an EA account? <laughs> uh, you can or can't. I think you might have to. Either way, once you get over that, whether you say Emotionally yes or no. and literally. Yeah, once you, once you <laughs> process the EA emotional labor, you can move on I'm going to bring up EA later, so. Oh, good. <laughs> Um, this is the EA episode. Once you're past that, it runs great. And honestly, like, I I thought after our many handheld centric episodes that I was like over the magic of handheld. <laughs> Having Mass Effect handheld is like still so amazing to me. Yeah, like it's one of the first times where like I had to actually take a step back from my physical body and be like, technology, man. Like this is incredible. <laughs> Can you imagine knowing that this was a possibility even like yeah five years ago? Right. You know, because that's the thing about the Steam Deck is like the Switch was definitely like incredible. This is like Breath of the Wild handheld. But like mm-hmm. now being able to play the Mass Effect trilogy on a handheld, it's it's so cool. So I made a new Shepard. I just got to the Citadel and won. And uh, that is a playthrough I will probably fall through again. That's exciting. Um, what's your what's your Shepard vibe? Shepard. I'm doing Fem Shep this time. Mm-hmm. And I'm going Paragon again because weirdly enough, I've never done Fem Shep as a Paragon. Mm. So even though my last playthrough was like mostly Paragon, usually for whatever reason, in, in the two times I've played Fem Shep, I've gone more Renegade. Interesting. So I just think Jennifer Hale just does the Renegade voice better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I My playthrough for our bonus about it with Tam was yeah. mostly Paragon, but there are a couple, there are a couple times in that trilogy where you gotta you gotta you pick gotta. renegade once they introduce the renegade quick time events yeah you have to yeah there yeah there are a few where it's like what am i gonna not find out what the renegade yeah, move there's is here? one in three that like 
everyone like so many people i remember like seeing like reddit threads of like what did, like how did you play and it's like 100 paragon except for the one renegade cutscene <laughs> in three that you know you know the one if you know yeah i'm really excited for our friends kim and aj to go talk about three on on their on Async. show Asynchronous. yeah that's gonna be so fun but yeah so it runs well on, on steam deck yeah i mean it's been it's been great you know i think it's honestly like i kind of like having the uh there are elements of it in handheld that like work even better in some ways. Mm. Like, and I'm also playing a soldier this time, which I've never played before. Yeah. I, I, the first playthrough was Vanguard. Then I did infiltrator and then I did adapt. Now I'm doing soldier. And like, especially in the first game, it rules just to be good at every gun. Yeah. Like <laughs> the fact that I can just be like casually, like what's best for this scenario. I don't have to make a pistol work. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and that's something they added, uh, for those who don't know, like in mass effect one in legendary, edition one of the tweaks they did was that shepherd can use all the guns no matter what class they are because mm-hmm. i think in the original mass effect one soldier was like by far the best class mm. not only to the point where it was the best class but it was like almost the only usable class interesting uh, or at least like you know it just was much harder with the other classes yeah. because the soldier could use every gun and every other class could only use like one or two yeah but now it's like all shepherds can use all guns but only like if you're not a soldier like you can only power up certain guns mm. so like the adept can only power up the pistol the infiltrator can power up i think the pistol and the sniper vanguard shotgun you know the drill <laughs> uh so <laughs> i started that it's been really great it's been long enough because i was like i kind of wanted to start a new shepherd when asynchronous was talking about it but it felt a little too soon because like maybe by the time you get to three though yeah it's true when i get to three i i'll probably be ready to go because for me with mass effect if i start a new playthrough that's like all i do mm. so like the biggest challenge with doing this show is not just being able to play mass effect all the time i think just do it <laughs> just just like my lesson i learned in 2022 yeah i think just make the space to play this kind of stuff literally yeah no you're right it's I'm, january i'm also play mass effect for a small group of friends i am trying my best to run a mass effect themed tabletop game yeah which i am thrilled to see how that yeah, i'm excited works. to hear how it goes yeah trying to interpret re- recharging shields and a turn-based <laughs> structure is is thrilling and also difficult wow so yeah i'm doing that also on switch for christmas uh i got a gift i got mario plus rabbits sparks of hope yeah which like you a long time ago brought to the show the first mario plus rabbits and kind of the like hey look this game is always on sale and no one is talking about it and it's one of the weirdest things i've ever experienced yeah but also a great game yes uh kingdom battle it's like it's like the only mario game that will ever go on sale because ubisoft is the one that made it (laughs) right (laughs) and this year we got the sequel which was sparks of hope and like i I was always curious about them and i got this as a gift which i was excited about because i'm like did i bring it to the show sparks of hope yeah i don't know if you did i was on dlc yeah and brought it to that show i don't know if i brought it to ours though but I did play. You know what it I, was? I did play a bunch of this game. So every now and then, there's a week where like we look at what the stack for the episode is, and we have too much. Yeah, and that might have just it might have gotten bumped. Maybe because you know one of us had played Mass Effect again. Yeah, like, eh. and maybe I was like, I'm already talking about it on one show. I don't need to. Yeah, do Yeah, I think there. that might have happened. But so you played Sparks of Hope as well. Yeah, I, I played a bunch of it. Um, not not as much as I would like. Honestly, speaking about about 2022 and wanting to invest more time in more games or more time in less games, I do wish I had played more Sparks of Hope. I, yeah. think, I think before recording Goaty. I think that's one of the games. I like half joking to you, message you like, we have to re-record Goaty now that I've played <laughs> Sparks of Hope. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, it's, it's like actually XCOM. 
Like yeah. I was told that like this game was like XCOM, not knowing it's like I mean I actually still haven't played XCOM, but I know the genre yeah, right. of game. And like it is it is like as complex, if not more, than like Marvel Suns even. Like the, yeah. the level of real time tactics. Marvel's going on. Midnight Suns. Marvel's Midnight Suns, excuse me. Bef- before I get hit. <laughs> yeah, before before Walt wakes up. Yeah. Um but uh, basically what it is is uh Mario and, and the crew Plus their their rabid like nobody reflections. Yeah. So every Mario character has like a rabid version of them, which I think we'll have to say more about. Yeah. In a bit, or at least in therapy. Um, <laughs> uh, basically, <laughs> basically, everyone's friends, and uh, this weird alien shows up, and uh, you know you have to fight the alien. Uh, I don't really understand what's happening narratively, but like the game is divided into missions where you currently at least you control a squad of of two characters and the game kind of like when it's a character's turn they will light an area of the map so like in this turn you can go this far but they also kind of incorporate like some mario stuff so if you're near like a goomba or something you can just do a free action to dash or if you're near the other character on your team they can like give you a boost and you jump up so you can reach other areas of the map so like it's hard to know like where to begin when talking about this game, but I'm just really impressed at like how much there is mechanically in every level and also how well the game tutorializes it because mm-hmm. like there's honestly a lot going on and for like the sort of like age group this game is probably targeted at, I could see it being a little bit complex for like a younger audience. Yeah, personally I feel like it's a little bit complex. Like I, yeah. I, I had a hard time, at least with the tutorial initially, uh even coming from having played Kingdom Battle, even though that that was years ago um i i had a little bit of a difficulty initially getting into this game um but i think at least for me the place to start is is kind of like breaking up some of the preconceived notions you might have about what it is because this game is constantly surprising yeah so like for example talking about you know okay it's a character's turn and it lights up an area on the map that they can run to you've seen that in other tactical games you've seen that in fire emblem and in games like XCOM. it's like okay cool you have you have this action you can move this far but there's no grid here and right. the, the way it works is that you can move anywhere you want until you attack until you use your attack action you can continue moving around the space which is actually really interesting it's really it gives helpful. you time to think about your move yeah in a way that a lot of these games don't give you i agree like and, yeah you just yeah. you just need to like you just need to kind of wing it right in, in a lot of these games you need to like think through okay i'm gonna move this person up two and left three and then i'm gonna attack like i, I think i'll be at the right position where i'll be able to attack and have this percent chance of hitting this person etc 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 whereas this game lets you like run over to an area hide behind some cover and then see what your percentage to, to hit somebody would be and be like ah eh, maybe not you know, yeah, let me reassess right. this and then move somewhere else. It kind of has like the divine pulse vibe or like you can you yeah. can see how a move is going to do before you commit to it. Right. Which is also always Fire Emblem's energy. Like, I don't think I don't know if there is like a divine pulse here, but it is like I think in these types of tactics games, it's so helpful to like know what you're working with. Yeah. Especially for a game as like disorienting as Sparks of Hope, Mario <laughs> plus Rabbids, because basically like the and, and yeah, you you take cover sort of Mass Effecty weirdly, and like cover can also be broken. So there's just so much. Like that's what I'm most impressed by is that there's there's a lot of thinking in every turn. Mm-hmm. You know, I was kind of expecting it to be a little bit like I can just brute force my way through it. Yeah. But like thinking about like oh a turn ahead is this cover going to last? Yeah. Um, and also every character is built differently. So like so far I've I've mostly been I I played a little bit as everybody. Yeah. And I've mostly stuck to Mario, which like this is the only Mario game where I like playing as Mario because <laughs> usually it's like the most boring choice. Regular Mario, not rabid Mario. 
Well, we'll get to Rabbit Mario in a bit. Okay. But regular Mario is sort of like just the all-around good character, which is usually his vibe. But in a, in a tactics <laughs> game, that's pretty helpful. And he can also like attack multiple enemies. Yeah. And also, every character has a special ability. And you also, as the game goes on, you like find Lumas, right? Mm-hmm. You find Lumas that are kind of like rabid Lumas, Rabbit basically. Rabid Lumas, yeah. And they all have, like, a unique ability. So, like, one, I think the one you start with just buffs your party if they're nearby. Yeah. One reflects damage back. And, like, that is all really, like, interesting and complex. Mm-hmm. And, like... And you assign these Lumas to each individual character. Yeah. So, you can you can mix and match who has which ones. Yeah. So, like, something that we were joking about before is, for whatever reason, Luigi is, like, the stealth, like, backstab character. Yeah, he's a sniper. Yeah. He's a sniper. He's a bow and arrow. And he starts with the Luma that deflects damage back Mm -hmm. but actually ended up giving that to rabbit mario who is feels really good yeah he's the brawler but like he has like a pretty wild range like he just starts punching like whole fields of enemies yeah rabbit peach also feels really good (laughs) rabbit mario to me feels like the bob hoskins version of mario yes from mario brothers yes exactly which is so weird and that's why i think i I like because the thing about this game that's like kind like you know and it is what it is but like the rabbits sort of feel a little minionsy to me yeah and like very the, much the sense of humor like kind of works like it, it does make me laugh every now and then but like sometimes it feels a little bit like like the jokes are like, uh, like yeah. this, this feels a little off but like the game is so fun and like it's so well done that like that kind of just fades away for me yeah but yeah absolutely like rabid mario is the mario luigi show mario it's so strange yeah rabid peach is like if hilda went down a dark path in (laughs) fire Emblem three houses yeah and rabid luigi is like bizarre his class is called pest like everyone else is like Mm -hmm. combat healer or like tank and he's just a pest yeah i still don't fully know what that means yeah i don't i don't think i've used rabid luigi a lot um, um, and Peach is like a a like she sort of like buffs people and protects people. She's like yeah. a protector or something. Rabbit Peach is the one that has um, the missile launcher that goes over cover. Yeah, right? it's incredible. Yeah, like easily the best weapon in the game, yeah. at least for like tactically. Sure. Yeah, really shockingly. Good. And she can heal too. Yeah. So like it feels like they start you with with mario and rabbit peach and i'm like this feels like it the team yeah there was one round where i tried to make luigi and rabbit luigi work and it was an absolute nightmare <laughs> this feels like the, the like, sniper and the what pest. happens after the game over in luigi's mansion yeah. like, this is what follows <laughs> luigi the professional yeah <laughs> that's the episode <laughs> luigi the pest <laughs> Yeah, what does it say about Luigi that his two versions of this game are a, like a backstabber and a pest? Yeah, so funny. Yeah. Um, um, but it's it's honestly so like... you have two characters that you can bring into a, a, a round at a time yeah. at the moment. Okay. You, you will... It'll expand. That makes sense. And again, I think that goes with like the game is pretty good at like slowly... Because what I was impressed by is there was a tutorial mission where you actually couldn't even attack yet. Mm. So like the game was like making sure you like know how movement works yeah. before you even consider like attacking enemies. But it's like it's really fun. It's really charming. I feel this would be fun like as a like gateway into these types of games. Mm. You know, yeah, like, I totally agree. And I think it's also like fun for all ages. I know it's a kind of a cliche thing to say, but like I'm enjoying <laughs> it a lot, and I imagine like younger kids would love this. Yeah, um, it is a little. I think you might have mentioned this on DLC, but it is a little weird that. In, so like there's a hub world between missions where like you can run around and collect coins but you can't jump 
Yeah. Which is like... Isn't it bizarre? It was a cardinal sin for any Mario game. Yeah, I keep... Know? It's funny, too, because the fir- the more of that game I played, I never got over the desire to jump. Yeah. Like, even hours into that game, I would end up in a new hub area and see a thing in the distance and be like, oh, I'm going to jump up and get that. And I would, like, instinctively go press the A button, which is the interact button and not the jump button. Uh, it, and it continues happening. It's just it's just a very strange omission, I think. It's also just very funny, too, that, like, I feel like Nintendo... I'm This is a guess, but I'm guessing they're pretty precious about their ip yeah and it's just funny that this is like one of the collaborations <laughs> you know yeah right like i, I just it's and i remember that was the, the the announcement of the first one was like we're so proud to like be you know working with nintendo and then it was mario rabbits which yeah. is like <laughs> i don't know like who wanted it but i'm also weirdly glad it exists yeah yeah it's such a strange franchise i mean i, I will never forget the unveiling of the first mario plus rabbits at e3 at the ubisoft press conference shigeru miyamoto gets on stage and the lead designer, miyamoto, yeah. yeah and the lead designer of of mario plus rabbits also got on stage and was like visibly crying because he was so excited to be unveiling this game he got to make with miyamoto and it was like the most touching thing ever yeah. but it was like yeah we're working together on this incredible game i can't wait to show it to you and then they revealed the trailer and it was mario <laughs> mario's plus got Rab- a gun and mario's got a gun and everyone's like, what, the fuck? what is this um and i feel like after that moment it was like i, I just feel like everyone had this like collective like let's just forget like a collective forgetting you know it was like oh we're just gonna like you know bail on this because it's so strange mario's a gun the rabbits are in it we don't care about the rabbits they're very minion-y as you were saying like maybe not don't even give it a shot and it came out to great reviews yeah. and and i also even i was like no thank you i'm not interested in it until i had a friend maya if you're out there shout out um texted me it was like no 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 no, no. you need to play it it's yeah. one of the best games on the switch and as i say always it's always on sale. Uh, so I picked it up and I, I played it and was really surprised by it. And I was really looking forward to this. And, and it really did blow me away. I, I think it's like really a spectacular video game. Yeah. It seems like the reception to this new one is even stronger. I still haven't played yeah. the first one. But it's a lot of fun. I mean, if you're looking for like a tactics game that like maybe doesn't ask like too much of you, like yeah. you just sort of like you want to be challenged enough that you're thinking about your moves, but it's not like a stressful Fire Emblem permadeath scenario or whatever. Right. Yeah. There isn't. Yeah, really- Mario's not going to die, die. It is interesting <laughs> to think about how like tactics is a genre that like almost never leans casual, you mm-hmm. know, right. like, even just in tone, like what are your options? Like tactics, ogre and three houses, <laughs> you know, like three houses is like the most X-com, chill probably yeah. all of them. But yeah. like, so I think there is a place for a game like Rabbids uh, Sparks of Hope. Yeah. As like and, just and sort of like a family Suns, friendly and Midnight Suns. Those yeah. are like the two, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Midnight Suns is like the, the YA version of it. I guess maybe Civilization, but that also is like a different energy. Yeah, it's a, that's a, that's a whole genre, other genre. Say, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a good game. I, w- I would recommend checking it out. I, I kind of want to go back and keep playing it now. It's um, a, I'll say this. It's a great like this time of year game when mm-hmm. like you're just getting your shit together and like, <laughs> you're like whatever, I'll just watch Rabbit Mario like smack a bunch of rabbits. <laughs> I will say, I don't know if you've gotten to this point yet, where it gets interesting is that some of the boss fights are really hard. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Which it is challenging. It's first, like it's, yeah, it's, you'll hit yeah. a couple instances where you're like, oh, I like I was having a good time, you know, very breezy, very cool. And then you'll hit a boss fight that's like, oh, shit, I like really need to have my a game on for this another surprising thing is like it looks gorgeous like yeah, the, the it's, really produ- it's one of the best looking games on switch yeah. weirdly 
so everything about it is like why is this so good yeah right that's That's my that's my review is like why is this great (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad it is it's real. it's 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 really surprising i i hope they keep making them yeah me too i i and also like you know know, if they're successful that's the thing it sold three million units oh which i think for like any game is great yeah for nintendo it's like you're approaching like the b team yeah but like that's still i think that's good enough that nintendo is like yeah why not it's like usual kirby numbers right right it's like pre forgotten land kirby yeah so wow i'm pretty sure that's correct maybe we'll double check that and aj if i'm wrong you can throw you, you guys you could throw up here <laughs> 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 yeah. maybe not maybe, maybe cut that out <laughs> it sold three million units <laughs> hello it's me uh and i guess i have numbers to read i don't know uh i don't know where steven got his numbers from but i found an article that has the sales for the first week of december from of last year uh and in japan sparks of hope sold 17,647 units but in that same write-up uh it's also talking about how pokemon scarlet and violet has now sold three million copies so maybe that's Maybe they got some wires crossed there. I don't know. But also, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, uh, as of last August, has sold 10 million copies. So maybe I'm not just not finding the same sources that Steven did, but Sparks of Hope, as I can find uh, in the first week of December, sold 17,000 copies. So it's probably... I don't know, maybe up near 20 or 21,000 right now, or maybe more, but Kingdom Battle sold 10 million as of uh, last August. So I guess those are the numbers. See ya. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, regardless <laughs> of numbers, I like it. So <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's what I'm up to. I haven't been playing a lot on the Switch. I'll, I'll just say uh, Switch update. I haven't been playing a lot on the Switch. I did remember that Persona 5 Royal is on Switch. Oh, yeah. I was just like scrolling through everything that I had and was like, oh, shit. The <laughs> thing we asked for forever is available yeah, right. there. So I, I just I loaded it up. I'm like towards the end of Kamashita's Castle. Oh, nice. On that run. The so first one, yeah. I, th- I think, you know, just the thing I'll chip away at. Eventually find my way to the end of, which will be nice. The other thing I've been playing inspired by the Goatee episode on the Switch um, is I, I started a new save file in Tunic. Oh, cool. Uh, which runs great on Switch. I played it on Xbox oh, that's originally. Good to hear. Yeah. Um, it's awesome on Switch. It's just, it's just very good, especially on the OLED Switch. I mean, that game is very colorful um, yeah. and has a lot of really cool, like, geometric, beautiful design going on. Um, and that, that looks great on that screen. So, yeah, that's the Nintendo Switch. Nice. I've already mentioned that you said chipping away at Persona 5 reminded me. I'm still chipping away at the Trails in the Sky. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it's just Trails in the Sky. The first one, yeah. the, But it's like that is a series i want to see more of and i am seven hours in and it still says i'm in the prologue which i'm like <laughs> come on but it's honestly yeah. been a great game to play in this time of year too because like it's just so at least currently mm-hmm. and i'm sure it's gonna ramp up but it's so chill yeah like, there's a whole i won't spoil it but there's a whole mission i went on because essentially the plot is like you and your uh estelle and her adopted brother are bracers which are like you know sort of volunteer like adventurers that just like help people out basically yeah yeah. um and like i think your dad is like the bracer yeah that like everyone like loves and adores and you're like you know just sort of you're in the like early elder scrolls quests (laughs) level bracer right what i really like about the early hours of that game is like you are just genuinely helping people and like getting a sense of the world yeah and like there was this mission i just went on where we uh i had to take a journalist and a photographer to this like haunted castle basically Mm -hmm. this like dangerous tower and you know we're going up the floors it's like a very traditional kind of dungeon 
And what's interesting is that there have been two quests now. I don't know if you got this far, but there have been two quests where the people we're helping are in the party, but they can't do anything. Uh, yeah, I've done one quest like this. Yeah. So like you have to like actually protect them, which yeah. makes you feel like you're doing your job of a bracer. Right. Yeah. Uh, but what's fun is that the journalist, like the girl who loves taking pictures and is kind of oblivious to everything, is taking pictures during the fight. Oh, that's fine. So like she'll take a picture of the enemy and it's like, suddenly blind for a turn or yeah. whatever. Um, I love the battle system of that game. It's really And cool. like, that's what I'm really excited about. Cause apparently it doesn't change that much yeah. throughout the, the iterations. So, but anyway, this tower, it's like any other RPG. I feel like you would, you know, go on this quest that's seemingly benign to help these journalists out, make your way up to the top. You meet God's henchmen mm-hmm. and, you know, but like, it just didn't happen. Like we just like did it and like, Oh, thanks for helping me. Like, <laughs> I feel like, like it should feel anticlimactic, but I'm like, I love that. Like, I love that. I just like yeah. helped someone and that was it. So, I don't know. I, it just been a really fun game to slowly work on. And like, uh-huh. I really like it. I'm still not like in love with it. Like, I think it's a really unique RPG and there's a lot that I'm really enjoying and I'm like very intrigued. Yeah. But I haven't had the like, this is one of the best games ever moment. Yeah. And from what I've read, it seems like yeah, I probably I don't know won't. If you need to. Have right. That. And, and that's yeah. kind of where I'm getting at is like, I think it's just kind of nice to have a, a, a game series that is just like always like nice yeah you know like right. i think i think uh going back to chain decos or like ff7 like we talk a lot about games that like have high stakes and like when does it feel earned and when does it feel like desperate to get us to care mm-hmm. and like again i imagine trails is gonna eventually have very high stakes given how many there are yeah but i do like how it's taking its time to get there so i imagine when it does slow it will feel yeah. high stakes exactly yeah because because the whole i mean I, if you haven't listened to our episode about trails in the sky uh, and i think i talked about trails from zero a little bit on the switch yeah um the whole franchise is telling one continuous story right and it's been doing that for i don't know like 15 years at this point yeah and i have to imagine the first couple games kind of go by without a whole lot of like world ending stakes if i were to guess because like i said i mean there's more games after that right there's yeah. there's been like i think 10 to 12 games so far and i think like maybe now it's starting to get pretty wild but you know the trails in the sky stuff which is a trilogy i, I think is like pretty chill for the most part from what yeah, I've heard. I've, I, and I've heard great things specifically about the trails uh, from Zero and trails to Asia. Yeah. Right. So like I'm just looking forward to seeing like if I have enough interest to see all of them or if at the very least I just see like this game. Yeah. Uh, and, and I do. I did pick up the second one. So I'm just like really excited to see what happens with that yeah yeah i want to enjoy the first one a lot yeah i whenever i start up my my switch my steam deck i I have this like real kind of like early netflix problem you know what i mean where it's (laughs) It's just just like too much i just have so much stuff there like i I think one of the things i started to learn when i started to get into retro handhelds specifically was to not put my entire library on them you know if if i have a retro handheld that can play like everything in my library then i should only put the things that i'm actually interested in playing on it for exactly that reason and i think i kind of need to do that with the steam deck because the steam deck when i got it was like i'm gonna install everything in my library that works (laughs) you know and then and then i got into the emulation side of it and i added a bunch of stuff there as well so now i have just like hundreds of games yeah, on the Steam yeah. Deck. Just like so much to choose from. I, I I just really need to kind of pare it down a little bit. Maybe maybe I'll delete everything except Mass Effect Legendary Edition. <laughs> the singularity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you want to take another break? That sounds good to me. All right. Well, let's do it then. There's always a spark of hope. <laughs> That's what Rabid Mario says to the camera when you get a game over. <laughs> well, there's always a spark of hope. And it slowly eats spaghetti. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Gaming. Ew. We're back. Uh, no. 
Oh, I don't even. I didn't even feel in control when I said that. I think you put something in my water. You pulled my Woody string, and I said, "Gaming." <laughs> I want to find out. I'm. I'm a game. Yeah. Tonight. Yeah. By the end of this. Yeah. yeah. A sentient game. Exactly. Yeah. Uh. Well, we're back. We're back. We took a legitimately long break this time. Yeah. Now I get to talk about what I've been up yeah, to. Yeah. What, what are you up to? My summer reading report. Yeah. I get to turn it in. The first thing I did after Godie, I don't know why this was this was the case for me, but the thing that I was most interested in going back to and finishing was God of War Ragnarok. Oh, okay, yeah. I don't I don't know what compelled me to turn that on, but as soon as I turned it back on and and played it for like thirty minutes, I was like, I'm gonna finish this game in the next couple of days, and yeah. I did. I like re- like I sat nice. I sat down. You know, I had off work. There was nothing else going on. It was just like waiting for the holidays. We both mentioned we want to see it through, and that's that stands true. And I think you just yeah. probably saw an opportunity to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Like literally, yeah. exactly. It was like, well, you know, now now that the pressure of Goaty is off, like I can take my time with this, and of course, taking my time with this means I'm gonna beat it in three days. So <laughs> I uh, I sure did sit down and play the rest of God of War Ragnarok, which is an interesting thing i i will say i don't think it would shift too much in like my placement in my goatee list sure. you know i don't think it would have cracked the top 10 i don't think it would have changed anything really it's not um, three hopes yeah yeah a, a lot of a lot of the thoughts i had about my issues with that game stand sure even through to the end um i, I think that game has some like major pacing issues it tries to cash a lot of checks that i don't i don't think will quite clear i think it's the for me and i'm still pretty early on and, and i trust that i'm gonna like be happy I've, I've seen it through once i have yeah but i feel like it's the first time subjectively i've felt that the like sort of formula of the games i don't think formula is a bad thing yeah but it's the first time i felt the formula for the sony first party stuff get in the way of the game yes that to me is like kind of a there's now like a fork in the road of like you can either like like learn from this mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't even know like i don't know about the development scheme i don't know if it was if there was like pressure to do things a certain way yeah it just sort of feels like in all areas the games the first party playstation games have been kind of rioting on legacy mm. and like adhering i mean they they do and they don't because i do think that like a lot of insomniac it feels like insomniac is allowed to do whatever they want (laughs) and like i think their games stand out for it like i I think spider-man and ratchet and clank are are like platonic ideals of blockbusters Mm -hmm. and i felt the same way about the the 2018 god of war i mean this is like yeah you know i think in the case of spider-man and ratchet and clank those are like really short you're in you're out games that are like honestly moving stories and they and they showcase either like a really incredible central mechanic or just like incredible presentation yeah and god of war 2018 was like here is here's sort of like everything we've learned from like various playstations yeah and a new direction (laughs) for the flagship character and a story that's like about something Mm -hmm. that's going to be seen by way more people than like most indie games that are maybe more head-on about things Mm. but like this is like a pretty good represent i think i said this on on the bonus we did like i think god of war 2018 if you if you haven't played games since like the 90s (laughs) <laughs> that game does a pretty good job catching you up to what games are capable of. Mm. You know, I don't think yeah. it's like the best at any one thing, but I'm like, this is like a pretty good indication of how far games have come. Yeah. Which I think is a really big compliment. I'm totally with you. Yeah. yeah. And, and Ragnarok, I think stumbles a little bit in leaning into the cinema of it all. Yeah. Right. Like, I, I think that's one of the things that 
you and I and, and Brendan on our on our bonus episode praised about the first one is like it it has a really keen understanding of cinema and framing and and you know how to light scenes and and blocking and all all the all the classics all the hits um but also it's just like a spectacular game um and and there's a lot there's a lot to be said about the way it continues to unfold uh you know like an like an onion revealing its layers over the course of that of that fran- of that game and Ragnarok is just like a little bit less sure of itself, I think, in those instances. Like the the thing about Ragnarok that really gets me, I think specifically, uh, I'll get into what I like about it in a minute. But the thing that really gets me specifically is like the cool thing about 2018 was it starts off as a very like over the shoulder classic third person action adventure game. Right. You're like moving your way through the story. It's like pretty railroaded. There's a lot of spectacle, like what you would think of from God of War. Uh, but it's obviously telling this really touching story about about Kratos and and his his kid, and at about like the one third point in that game when you're done with Act One, they open the world a little bit and they like kind of let you start to do side quests and let you kind of do what you want, and that part is very interesting and very cool. And then when you hit the third act, they open it up even more. The game like doubles in size and honestly at the point that you hit that story-wise you're like excited about that like that's that's not a thing that's daunting that's a thing that's exhilarating right because by the time you've hit that point you've probably done everything there is to do or have been compelled at least to check out most of it most of the stuff you would want to do you've already checked it's not off. unlike the pacing of ff7 weirdly where like yeah. you know that game is you know very much railroaded quite literally in Midgar. Yeah. And then you get to the world map. And at that point, like, you know, you still have to go from point A to point B, but then by the time you get the boat, you can like kind of start doing side quests. Right. And then when you get the airship, you know, which is the classic final act of any JRPG, Mm -hmm. you can go everywhere. Right. And it's, it feels like by the time you can go anywhere, you ironically have also seen most places. Yes. Uh, So it's like, okay, I kind of, I have a, I have vocabulary for the world and I know like why and and how to get back to certain places Mm -hmm. or why I would want to go back to certain places. And then there are like a few places you couldn't go to yet. Right. And then you can breed uh, Chocobos and, (laughs) Uh and get to even more places. But yeah, so, so God of War did something similar. God of War did something similar, which I, I really appreciated. And then when you're done with the game, you have this like pretty rich post game with some really interesting stuff to do that kind of, you know, checks off a couple boxes, sets up the second game, et cetera, et cetera. But I think I think that that structure really worked in its favor. And Ragnarok is structured in a way where you will be railroaded for a little bit and then it'll be an open world in a realm for a little bit. And then it'll close back down to being railroaded for a couple more hours. And then it'll open up a little bit and you'll have a couple side quests that you can do but you won't really know how long you can or should be doing those for then it'll close down again and you're just kind of getting whiplash back and forth between these different elements of the game whereas the first game had like a pretty linear progression in the way that 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 opened up it kind of reminds me of like a more dramatically like more troubled version of the pacing of last of us 2 where that game has like kind of a like without saying too much (laughs) there's like a semblance of an open world. Yeah, there's an open world for, uh, for like 20 minutes. Yeah, and it's a, incredible, and everyone remarks upon it. Yeah, yeah. and then and then it, it gets taken from you in a way that doesn't feel sad. It just feels like what? Yeah, <laughs> why even I, that, do it? I, yeah. I, like, I like I like that game a lot, but and like, I like that part a lot. Yeah, me yeah. too. It just it, it, it's like that issue is like throughout the whole game. Yes. God of War Ragnarok. Yeah, in terms of just like what I'm expecting, what I'm getting, and then how it changes, and you never really feel like you know. On one hand, it's like kind of fun to not know what to expect but it's not done in a way that's like exciting it just feels like kind of confusing yeah yeah yes the i i think like the way that i i would boil it down if i was like making a video essay about this or something <laughs> yeah is 
I, I feel like the biggest issue is the idea of the journey and the destination. It's interesting because I wonder how much of this is on purpose. I wonder how much of this is purposeful because the first game, the main quest is literally called journey. Like it is yeah. called journey. And the second game, the main quest is called the path. Like literally it is the path to from point A to point B journey journey implies to me an, an openness, right? An idea, you know, that that game is specifically about and I, I won't spoil anything, but it's about Kratos and Atreus taking the ashes of Kratos's wife and Atreus's mother to the highest peak in, in, in the realms. Um, and that that experience is more about the bonding of these two characters about Kratos and Atreus than it is about actually doing the task. Right. Right. It's more about like overcoming obstacles together than it is about actually getting to the end of it. And the second game is literally called God of War Ragnarok, which immediately comes with so many implications, right? It comes with the, the Norse mythology implications, but it comes with also the implication of like ending death so so many things are implied just by that title alone and then calling the quest the path also implies like i'm making my way to an ending and i think that's one of the biggest weak points of the game for me is this idea that like i i needed to sit down and just play all the way to the end because i felt a a looming pressure of the story. I felt a looming pressure of what is possible by the time the credits roll that I didn't with the first game. The first game, I I felt more like I could kind of wander around and take my time and do side quests and like not be burdened by that. But the second game is like, okay, the end of the world is coming. Odin is a real piece of shit. Thor might kill me at any moment. You know, there's like all of this stuff that's kind of looming over me at all times that I needed to just see it through. I will say I like the story a lot. I think the story is great. It's worth seeing through. What's interesting to me now, and that kind of gives credence to this idea, at least for me, that I I, I think the first game was kind of stronger in its ability to just kind of let you wander and let you experience the journey and enjoy the journey more than the destination, is that now that the game is done in Ragnarok and I'm in the post game, again, like the first game, there's a very rich post game here. Now that I'm in the post game, and, you know, a lot of those threats have kind of resolved themselves. I'm having a much better time. Like, I think I think Ragnarok is an incredible game when it's over, which is a very silly thing yeah. to say. But that doesn't mean the game is over. I want to be very clear. It's not like, oh, I liked it best when it was done. You know, like, that's, <laughs> that's not what I mean at all. I just I, I mean, like the stuff that I'm doing in the post game, it kind of doesn't even matter. It's just like, oh, I really like how this game works mechanically. I really yeah. like collecting, you know, all of this armor and all these weapons. And, and that's the thing. I think, I think Ragnarok is a step up mechanically. Yeah. From, from the previous one. It totally is. Yeah. And, and especially like the first game in the post game, you're fighting all these Valkyries, which are kind of like your Dark Souls boss fights at the, at the end of the game. And they get increasingly harder the more of them you find. And that's a that's a really fun side quest. And the second game has uh, these things called Berserkers kind of in the place of Valkyries, which are, again, equally difficult. They, they're they pretty tough uh, kind of Dark Souls-y boss fights. And fighting against those, I, I, I've kind of endeavored to beat all of them. And I've made my way through most of them. I'm like, I, I want to say like 75% of the way through all those fights. It really did highlight for me how much better the game is mechanically, even in combat, than it was in the first. Um, I think it's really remarkable. And, and I'm enjoying it a lot. All of that to say, I do think the story in 2 is just, like, exceptional. Like, some of the, the way it wraps up is is, is really fantastic. I, I, I'm trying to not say anything that would even remotely get close to giving anything away. Because I did have a major thing spoiled for me that really bummed me out. And uh, I don't want that to happen to anybody else. But uh, <laughs> the, the end is great. Uh, so if, if you're even remotely interested in Ragnarok, like definitely check it out. Give it a shot. Yeah. Get, get to the end. Maybe we'll do like a, a spoiler time. discussion or something one day. Yeah. I think you and I had had planned on maybe doing a bonus at some point. I don't think if 
I don't I don't think either of us are kind of at that point, but I, I would like to have a spoiler discussion. Maybe yeah, and, and that's the irony is like I think while we have some critiques of Ragnarok, like I think like the sense of ensemble and the characters and the writing, like I, my thing is like there are a couple scenes where you know, in addition to the pacing issues, I think that there's more visibly a lack of trust in the player and a lot of the design. Mm. And I think in some of the more like passing scenes, I feel like the like the previous game we meant you mentioned that there was this strong understanding of film. And like I think of that introduction of like the household of Kratos mm-hmm. and how so much is said with just silhouettes and shadows. Yeah. And in Ragnarok, it would be said explicitly. Right. You know, and, and, and that's not inherently worse. I just think it's less impressive writing that like mm-hmm. the subtext is sort of brought to the surface. Yeah. At the same time, Kratos has learned how to talk about his feelings right. <laughs> over the course of the game. So like, yeah. I do what I like and what I mentioned before about Ragnarok is that I, I really, really appreciate that the characters start different. Like mm-hmm. from the very beginning, Kratos is a, is a new character. Yeah. In a way that feels believable. Because I think if we if we dwelled in the same stuff for too long, like that was one of our main concerns going into Ragnarok was like how much more can we do Kratos because I feel like he reached a really nice yeah ending in the previous game and I think that what's really great about Ragnarok is that they also recognize that you know the writers and the developers realize that this is not about Kratos mm-hmm. you know this he is part of a larger story now yeah and I like that shift to ensemble I think the issues are are less about the writing and the characters and the story more just about the delivery of those things mm-hmm. even something like like the single shot you know with no cuts i think worked really well in 2018 and it's a little bit more confusing in this game because i totally agree you know without saying too much there are more shifts in perspective that don't benefit from no cut yeah and there's a lot of like i don't know it just it makes it makes scenes feel longer in a way that doesn't benefit the scene you know like i I think that there's something sort of like mad max fury road-esque about 2018 of this like you know never-ending journey from point a to point b and with with ragnarok there's just more moving parts and more characters and it's about it doesn't lend itself to the to the Birdman, (laughs) exactly you know it just doesn't. Um, exactly. I, w- I want to shout out. Uh, it's funny that you bring this up. Uh, I, I just read this great article uh, the other day, this great piece from a writer named Philip Russell, uh, who wrote a piece for Bullet Points that is literally about this. Uh, it's called One Shot Isn't Enough. And it, it's literally a breakdown of like how this story in particular doesn't really lend itself to the one shot format. And and I think too, like the and they're definitely going to do it with three also. Like it's it's now like part of this game. Or, right, you know, which is like it kind of goes back to like okay, well, like you know, bonfires and fog walls. Like, is this adding to the experience? Is this something that was yeah. done once that you have to, you feel the pressure to do again? Yeah, um, there are a few moments in Ragnarok where they they use the one shot perspective shift to move you from one character to another. That's like fun and cool like once yeah and then it kind of loses its luster immediately totally and i think like the other thing for me is like there are there are a lot of moments of ragnarok where you're just walking with a character hearing exposition mm-hmm. and then enemies show up and it like, in those moments it feel like i can feel the decision of someone being like they're gonna get bored here so just throw a few guys yes. and like it takes me out of it which yeah, is like too. it's a, it, the same decision is happening in 2018 yeah like the same like okay like you know a, a lot of these playstation studios games kind of have that structure of like there's a new area or set piece you're navigating with a character they're walking and talking and then the thing happens Mm-hmm. So like, you know, in an Uncharted game, you might encounter like a group of people in like a ruin and then all of a sudden you have to get behind cover and a shootout begins. Yeah. Or in The Last of Us, you know, similar thing, but, you know, 
gritty and real and walking dead <laughs> um and god of war are very similar and i think what i liked about both games is that the central action of kratos is applicable in both scenarios like you're yeah. always using the axe um and I, and I do like a lot of the momentum additions in ragnarok but i just think like for whatever reason it just it, that formula was more visible this time yeah and um, i and so i think you. that formula works well for like naughty dog because mm uncharted is basically like two people excited to see the next thing yeah so it makes sense that they're just like running and talking and then they find the thing <laughs> mm -hmm. uh and last of us it's a nice way to like break up the really like distressing violence and and heaviness of the story to have like the infamous ladder puzzles or you know whatever yeah but again it doesn't mean like oh that's the ticket like that's why these games are popular two people walk and talk and then the thing happens yeah and a, and a lot of the the deafness of those moments in those kinds of games comes from being expository while also embedding you in that kind of moment like you're doing a ladder puzzle and also it's a way for you to understand more about the character i think i think one of the best moments that we talked about a lot in in the 2018 game was you know the, the part where atreus isn't talking to you as much right. where like is, is being like kind of like a moody little kid whatever uh, yeah exactly and and you need him to like drop some chains down so kratos can climb up uh and he like just walks very slowly over to the chain things like that are so good at telling you everything you need to know about atreus like without even dialogue yeah and it is just like an explicit like i'm making my way through this dungeon puzzle you know it's just like a okay figure out how to proceed kind of experience but they're using it as a way to teach you more about about the 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 id and ego yeah and i know <laughs> it's this is an unfair comparison and i know they're completely different experiences but i can't help but think about eco and the lessons that can be learned from that yeah we're like i, know I don't know what game you're gonna bring up and the one that popped in my head was drill dozer <laughs> like, it reminds me so much of drill dozer <laughs> more games should be like we should have drill dozer likes i should be sick <laughs> of the dozer spinoffs instead we got one that like five people remember um but anyway like eco is a game about like it's essentially an escort quest you know you're bringing a character yeah. who who needs your help in defending them but like the the trust that game has in the player to sort of fill in the blanks emotionally mm -hmm. and again like i don't expect playstation to make a game like eco but i do think like in a game that's about like going on a quest together like you know father and son yeah. and and like that sort of like emotional journey like you can see like the power in that restraint, like yeah. not having to explicitly say out loud what every scene is about and like the solution to every puzzle. Like mm. to me, those are lame. Like I know the puzzle stuff gets a lot of flack, but I think that like letting us see that and feel that Atreus is not working with us anymore yeah. is way more powerful than him saying, I don't want to work together anymore on yeah. a log flume. Right. Um. So I don't know. It's, it's still like Ragnarok by all means still a great game. It's a lot of fun. I think if you enjoyed 2018, you're going to have fun with it. Yeah. I don't even think I'm like really that disappointed. It just, just didn't hit the same highs for me. Yeah. But I'm excited to see more of it. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is like at the end of the day, it's I, I think still like an extremely good video game. Yeah. Uh, and I had a really good time with it. And and again, like narratively, it's just stellar. Like the, the final act of that game is like nonstop. And the beginning is incredible. Yeah. Like the first like opening act of, of Ragnarok is, is amazing. Yeah. It's really good. I, I, I will say like. 
I don't think this is a spoiler, but like once you once you figure out like Odin's motivations, once you figure out like, OK, what does Odin want? You know, because you and I talked a lot about this in the 2018 bonus, but also in our Norse mythology bonus. But like Odin is just kind of a stand in for like the hubris of man in a sure. way, you know, just this guy who is trying to prevent the end of the world so much that he causes it, you know, by just being an asshole is a little bit what's going on here. But there's a little bit more under the surface in this version of Odin. And you know, played by Richard Schiff as kind of like a mob boss vibe. It's so spectacularly well done. And and w- once you get into that storyline, once you like get to like be in Asgard and see Asgard and like the inner workings of of the the gods and the Asgardians who live there, like all that stuff is exactly hitting the highs that you and I wanted, you know, and, and speculated about before the game came out. So I mean, there's so much to love about it. It's just I, I just think it's a little bit weaker than the first, but the, the first is I think like one of the best video games I've ever played. So <laughs> it's high praise. I mean, yeah. as you and I say all the time in, in these kinds of instances, it's like it's a game that's so good that the flaws stand out, you know? Right, right, uh, exactly. And, and it's hard to not like point at that. Um, but, you know, Ragnarok hits a lot of highs. Absolutely. So that's the first thing I did. <laughs> After Goaty. <laughs> then I picked up a little game called Drill Dozer. <laughs> it comes with a rumble pack that needs a triple A. <laughs> I um I, I picked this game up uh, at the recommendation of a couple people and uh, kind of a weird pick for me at least because I have no history with this franchise. It's one of Game Freaks, like lesser known. At all. Well, no, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to stop drill dozing. No, no, no. Correct. Correct noise. <gasps> I, I picked up Need for Speed Unbound. Oh, my God. Um, this it, is a dozer like, I, I would it's say. It's a dozer like. Yeah. Uh, Need for Speed is a franchise I don't really know anything about. I've never played any of them until this one. Um, but I do know that there are, are longtime fans of the Need for Speed franchise. I had a couple growing up, weirdly, on the computer. It was like one of the few computer games I had. People loved them. Yeah. They were They're like good. a They're huge fun. hit. And I yeah. think people were like bummed out by them. At, at least like, you know, from the outside in, it seems like people have been disappointed by Need for Speed releases recently. The thing about this one, and this is why I wanted to bring when up... When did it come out this year? Yeah, it came out like a couple weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. Just like, here's why I wanted to bring up EA. Classic fucking EA. This game comes out completely under the radar. Like, yeah. no coverage. I didn't see really anybody talking about it, except for like a couple people being like, hey, there's a Need for Speed game out, and it's by Criterion, who used to make the Burnout games. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's like, why would you not... Why would you not be screaming that from the tallest mountain in all the realms like why would that yeah, how afraid be? of czar are you that you don't even say it yeah, yeah right I, that's that's kind of the interesting comparison point for me so need for speed unbound very cool video game it feels so much to me honestly like a burnout game it's more narrative focused than i think i like or it needs to be um <laughs> <laughs> but the idea honestly like at the end of the day, like the story really is like, okay, you create a character and then you just want to be part of the Fast and the Furious crew. And like, that's enough of a, that's fine. That's yeah. enough of a story. That's, that's enough for me at the end of the day. Like, okay, what, what is the gameplay? Like the gameplay is like, you're doing a lot of street racing. It's set in Chicago, which is oh, fun. Cool. And visually speaking, you can tell that they loved into the spider verse because it's like cool. very into the spider verse in terms of the the uh animatics and a lot of the like effects that are coming off of cars so the cars themselves are not very stylized they look you know like real cars you're driving through like real chicago uh but all of the like 
dust that flies off of cars or like the light streaks coming off of the back of taillights and stuff. It's all very Spider-Verse. And they use all of that to tell you like contextual information about like, okay, there's a person coming at you from the right side. So you'll see like almost kind of like a Spidey sense coming off the right side of your car. Things like that. Uh, When you hit like the nitrous boost, like the whole screen kind of turns into this like big animated like halftone vibe. Like it's really cool. Yes. Visually, stylistically, the game is hitting a lot of highs. Um, I'm having a really hard time with it just mechanically. Like I'm, I don't know what it is because I, I, I like racing games. I've played a lot of them. Yeah. I'm really bad at this one. And I, I can't really wrap my head around why. I've gone into the settings and like tried to tweak some stuff. There's like really kind of like granular driving settings. Shout out to AJ. AJ pointed me in this direction. I'm, I'm just having a really hard time with it, but it's still really fun. And I'm still like sitting down and finding myself turning it on more than I would expect for a game that I'm so bad at. Um, <laughs> That's kind of what happened to me with Forza the first time. Like, yeah. for whatever reason, I, I like really was really bad at Forza Horizon 4. Yeah. And uh, I guess it's just because like my standard for racing games is still Mario Kart, which is unlike <laughs> basically any other driving yeah, it's game. it's the only one. And like, I think there, there are elements to Forza 4 that I think you do need to do a little bit of tweaking mm-hmm. to get the car the way you want it to be. Yeah. Need for Speed Unbound is a little bit unfortunate in its comparison to Forza Horizon because I, I feel like... I mean, everything is. Yeah. That, for real, though, like yeah. Forza Horizon 4 and 5 specifically were like revelatory. You yeah. know, th- those games like really changed my relationship with, with racing games and driving games entirely. And the idea of having an open world that you can make your way through and like go and do a race whenever you want by like stopping at specific streetlights or whatever is so freeing and so fun and even just in your path from point a to point b it's like a great time always yeah. that's a genre i thought was like not for me at all and forza proved me wrong yeah I mean, both of us like those are, like that's the exception and in the, some ways the irony of of the forza horizon stuff is that it takes so much inspiration at least it feels like it takes so much inspiration from the last burnout game which was burnout paradise it was the last game that that criterion made uh, in that franchise which you know is this pl- it's kind of like a miami-esque uh city that you're driving through and again like the Forza Horizon games at any point you can stop at any stoplight and there will be like a race or like a crash zone or like a cool thing that you can do there and Need for Speed Unbound is like kind of a halfway point there where they have this whole city and you can kind of drive around and do whatever you want but it takes a really long time to get to the point where there are enough things on the map that like you're kind of spoiled for choice for the first like couple hours of that game it's really like do this race then do this race then do this race then do this race because you're just kind of building up enough money to like tune your car up enough where you are like even remotely close to being competitive like I haven't come in first in any race I've done so far <laughs> because the other races that you're up against and they're all they're like named and have like character models and are like oh, characters in the game they're like your rivals yeah. and that's the idea of the game is like you're supposed to get better at street racing to be better than these people so it, it would be a little bit of, of a letdown I think if you you were just coming in first and like creaming them all on your first go yeah. in every race that you did. So in that respect, I, I, I appreciate that the game is like, you know, is not so easy that I'm just like flying through it. But I do feel like I have a, like there was one race pretty early on. It's like the fourth or fifth race, I think. That's just called like, I, I think Turn King or something. And it's just a uh, Corner King, I think it's called. Oh, and it, wow. it's just a race where you're going like 
up the side of a hill and it's all turns the whole way. And I was like, I just couldn't do it. It was like eighth place, eighth place, eighth place, eighth place. And then, you know, one race where it's like, oh my God, I'm in second place. And then it had like a Mario Kart nightmare happen right at the end and came in eighth place again. Yeah. And I keep having these issues where like, I I don't know if this is in previous Need for Speed games. I kind of think it is knowing about the franchise, but cops will show up while you're racing (laughs) and try and like drive you off the road. Oh my God. Um, They're trying to like pull you over and they're trying to like stop street racing. Uh, weirdly, a lot of the, the plot of the game is about like corruption in the Chicago uh, like mayorship. Yeah, and and how uh, I think like, you set uh, anything in Chicago that just happens by default. Yeah, yeah, which is fascinating, and and the relationship between like the administration and the police specifically. Um, and how they're like overfunding the police who are trying to stop drag racing. Wow. Um, it's a weird it's a weird thing. Uh, but because of that, anytime you do a race, there are cops that will show up while you're racing. Uh, and frequently while doing that race, I would get to like almost the end where it's like a straightaway and you can like see the finish line and you go off a ramp and under the ramp under this like cliff that you're shooting yourself off of are a bunch of cops like lying in wait and they would always drive out and I would land on them and then my car would just like combust (laughs) and then it would like Mario Kart Lakitu drop me back And I'd be in eighth place again. And it was like right at the end of the race. Don't worry, man. I'm the corner king. I'll drag you right back on the track. It killed me every time over and over again. Anyway, I just keep running into that. But all that said, like, I I still am going back to this game a lot. And I'll probably continue to chip away at it. Um, It's I, I do feel like. If anything, it might point me back into playing Forza Horizon or alternatively, there's a Gran Turismo game that came out last year that I didn't play. Yeah, um, that I've heard is great. So maybe that'll be the thing I check out next. But uh, Need for Speed Unbound seems good. Uh, so if you're a Need for Speed person, I've heard from other Need for Speed fans that it's really good. Uh, but I, I'm I'm enjoying it at least so far. Your comment on like the police showing up during races as like a third party in yeah. the race reminded me. What was that Spider-Man game? Where, like if you didn't stop enough crime, it like they punished you. Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't know. There was a Spider-Man game where like like every Spider-Man game when you're swinging around, there are you can alert like help Spider-Man. Yeah. Someone's trying to rob me, and like you could either stop what you're doing and like help them. Or just keep going. And if you like kept going for too long, someone put up like anti Spider Man like stuff. Really? That prevented you from swinging. I wonder what game that is. I think I remember you. Maybe this is a dream I had. I remember you, <laughs> you played it and hated it. I played it? Yeah. This is like when we were writing for the website. So it came out like it was pre you know what that Marvel was Spider Man that would yeah. that would be the Amazing Spider Man two it must have been that yeah which uh, I have on Steam maybe I'll see if that works on the Steam maybe deck. I'm getting that Reboot detail Spider-Man. wrong but I just remember there was something strange where like it, it would come back to haunt you if you didn't stop what you're doing and stop every crime that's very funny I wonder if that's true I'd, yeah. I'd love to revisit that game yeah. and find out <laughs> just just to figure out if that's true or if yeah. I'm if I'm remembering a dream. Uh, Need for Speed Unbound wow. is uh, is pretty cool. One thing that's interesting is uh, when you're done with the race, the cops won't stop chasing you. Like when you go, th- <laughs> when you're done with the finish line, the next step after the race is done is like you need to lose your tail. Uh, that's hilarious. And then like find your way to a safe house. That'd uh, be so funny if they did like, oh, race is over. Oh, we don't care. Like, yeah. We're, we're done. We're it's, off for the day. It's really interesting. And yeah. and uh, you keep like a like a Grand Theft Auto like heat level also. Wow. Uh, after that. So like if you drive by, if you're like doing 150 by a cop after that race and after they've lost, like they'll still, you know, turn on their lights and come and chase you again, uh, which is a fun time. Yeah, it's a cool game. I'm, I'm honestly really enjoying it. Is it on Game Pass? Um, oh, it's EA. I think it is EA through play. EA, EA yeah, Play. Yeah. Um, I'm playing it on PS5. Uh, I don't know why I got it there, but uh, 
Yeah, it's cool. I have That's one more amazing. game. I want to bring one up. more game, and then and then we can stop. Then we're, then we're free. <laughs> I, in the spirit of the 3ds bonus, <gasps> uh, have been just playing a lot of 3ds stuff. Yes. Uh, one of the games I've been playing a lot is Fantasy Life, which uh, I was going to bring up on the show, and then I remembered that I had an extra copy of it, so I just gave it to Steven. That's right so. here. If you can hear. Uh, the the plastic cover. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait until Steven plays it uh, to talk about that one. But Fantasy Life, one of the best games on the 3DS. I'm ex- so I'm so excited to play it. Expect to hear about it. So it's, it's a yeah. weird game. Um, just weird in terms of like where it came from and what it turned into yeah. af- after the 3DS. It kind of feels like what Metopia was hoping to be. Y- yeah, you couldn't be more right about that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. If you play Metopia and you're like, I wish this was less about faces being removed. <laughs> I think Fantasy Life, from what I know, might be for you. That's funny. Um, yeah. The game I, I, I have been playing a lot of and do want to talk about a little bit, uh, not a lot of bit, uh, because if if we like really do a full segment on it, we'll be here forever. But just want to mention A Link Between Worlds. Oh my God. It yeah. is the 3DS Zelda game top down by Ionuma pre Breath of the Wild as a lot of people say is like kind of you know you can see the germination of ideas for what became Breath of the Wild in that yeah. game and also kind of a sequel to Link to the Past yeah same same world yeah uh, low rule yeah Okay, so I, I played Link Between Worlds when it came out, loved it, like 100%ed that game. Like, there are 100 squids you need to find around the world. I found the 100 squids, like that level of finishing everything. I thought that revisiting it for the 3DS bonus, I was going to be like, cool. Yeah, it's still good. It's still great. And I like know where it would probably land if I did a top 10 right now. I started playing it and I couldn't put it down immediately. Like this, I can't believe how good this game it's is. It's a great one. Still. Yeah. It is just like miraculous the format of this game being like okay so you start the game you know inciting event happens uh here's the dungeon you need to go to and you go to the dungeon and it's very clear you need a bow and arrow and you don't have one so you're like wandering around figuring out where to go and there's a like a sign with a rabbit mask on it and it's like hey go to link's house it's like oh i'm link i should go to my own house and there's the guy who's sitting there with the with the rabbit mask on and he, he gives you a bow uh, and opens up the shop that allows you to like get all the different items. Uh, the idea of being able to like do any of the game in any order is spectacular by itself. You know, just like, oh, yeah, just go rent the item you need or like go rent the gear you need to be able to do this dungeon is very cool. What I forgot about it, though, is that for me, at least where I'm at in the game, like I've done two of the dungeons. I'm almost less interested in renting the weapon I need to go do the dungeon and more interested in just renting everything, like literally everything. I'll, I'll just like go to the shop, rent every single item, have it all in my inventory because you get to keep it as long as you don't die. Right. So I just rent everything just make sure I don't die. Just like save a lot, essentially. <laughs> like I don't, I, don't, I don't mind. It's my second time playing. So yeah. Just save scum, whatever. And just using it to solve all the like world puzzles. Yeah. And doing all of that first before actually doing the main quest is really fun this time. It's like a totally different way that you can play this game that I never would have thought of had I not played this game the first time already. But being able to be like, okay, cool. I'll get like the thing that blows up tiles off of the ground. I'll get the fire wand. I'll get the hook shot, you know, and just like see how I can maneuver around the world and like break the structure of it even more so than a game that's supposed to be open is really 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 fun i i think like you know the the first time you play this game if you've never played it before there is kind of a magic trick element to it and in a little bit of like a 13 sentinels way where it's like you kind of can't believe that it's built in such a way that you'll be able to do anything at any time yeah but even still the first time you play it you'll probably hit a lot of the major beats in the order that the game wants you to for the most part after you do the first dungeon they put two x's on your map so it's like okay i 
I get to choose between these two dungeons that I'm going to do next. But that's the point where I stopped doing that. Like, that's the point where I was like, no, thank you. No more. I'm just going to go <laughs> rent everything and see what I can do. Yeah. How many squids can I find? You know, um, and that's been really cool. That's been like a really interesting experience. Uh, it's like, a, I, I don't know. I just I think it's really interesting that the game is so malleable um, and yeah. says so much about about the kind of design that they took over into Breath of the Wild. It's also interesting, too, to think about that game just alongside other top-down Zeldas because I feel like we're at a point now where top-down Zeldas are continuing alongside the mainline 3D ones. Yeah. You know, we got the Link, Link's Awakening remake. I imagine we'll probably get like another game in that style, whether or not it's like an uh, Oracle remake or not. Yeah. I feel like they're going to do remake next again, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess you could probably do Link to the Past. That would be like the big one. I guess. I don't want the Oracle games. I kind of don't want a remake now. <laughs> That's the thing, like playing this, I'm like, but that's what I mean. Like, uh, and I think like, you know, we can see that the idea for like, what if we made a Zelda where you could do the big dungeons in any order? Yeah. That's the idea that's being played with in like between worlds. Yeah. But even just like as a standalone entry, it's so unique because mm. like there's really nothing else reminiscent of Breath of the Wild in Link Between Worlds. Yeah. You know, if anything, it feels like, I mean, this is. I think we've said this before and this, you know, we, we say this phrase a lot where it's like there's sometimes in long series, the game that is like every lesson learned up until that point and sort of a swan song. Mm -hmm. And then there's the next fundamental step. Yeah. And it does feel like Link Between Worlds is sort of like a super cut of all the best, you know, top downs, all the games. But I think just by nature of it almost having kind of uh, i feel like you're talking through me right now but <laughs> having kind of a roguelike structure where mm -hmm. you can like rent an item go to a dungeon maybe be like eh, maybe not this time and try something different yeah like that is a very unique experience just amongst other zeldas yeah it's so interesting it's not to mention i think it might be the only zelda that is built around a central mechanic which the main like I don't want to say gimmick, but the thing about Link Between Worlds is Link gets the ability to become like a drawing on the wall. Yeah. So you can essentially like put yourself on a wall and like move in a 2D space. It's very similar to Mario Odyssey when yeah. you become like 2D Mario. And like that mechanic kind of being the thread that is that exists in every one of these dungeons mm -hmm. is so cool. Yeah. And it's so it, it fits so naturally in a series that has never had one action guiding it. Mm -hmm. You know, like Mario is always going to be about jumping. Zelda is really about whatever you're finding. So the fact that this is the only one where there's like, other than, a, you know, Wind Waker, you can maybe say sailing, but even that's more just getting from point A to point B. Yeah. Yeah. I, th know? I think the only one that gets close that's at least coming to mind for now and, and correct us if we're wrong, dear listeners, but I, f I feel like Minish Cap is maybe the one, but even that yeah. is more like, you know, there's discrete points where you switch into Minish mode and back. And Link Between Worlds allows you to merge with the wall, like really at any moment. Yeah, on I any guess wall. Skyward Sword would be the other one, but like that would just be motion controls, which like, yeah, who wanted that? You know? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think, I think Link, to Link Between Worlds is like kind of like the weird one. Yeah. Uh, other than Zelda 2. But it's like so it has aged so well and it's so unique amongst the rest of them. Yeah, I remember being blown away by it the first time I played it. And I was like, this is this is maybe the best Zelda game. Uh, you know, this is pre Breath of the Wild. And I was like, this is maybe the best Zelda game. And uh, playing it now, I'm like, maybe this is still the best <laughs> Zelda game. It might be. It's 
uh, it's really spectacular. If you haven't played it, like, you know, before we do the 3DS bonus or anything, like, just go get this game and experience it yeah. for yourself because it is wholly unique and and just like, re- like, they could not have executed on that idea better, I think. Yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to spending more time with it because I haven't played it in a while, but I loved it when it came out as well. And and that was like one of the first times because that came out in what, 2013? I believe so, yeah. I was like just getting into the top-down Zeldas because like my first one was Ocarina and whenever I tried to play Link to the Past or or you know the other top-down games like I liked them but I always sort of felt like oh, I'd rather be playing Majora's Mask or mm-hmm. Ocarina of Time or Wind Waker <laughs> I don't know whose voice this is um but you know Link Between Worlds was the first time I realized like oh like this is a whole other approach that's like equally valid yeah and I think playing that game gave me the vocabulary to go back and play Link to the Past and which is probably what they wanted. They probably were like, why don't we reintroduce this concept mm. to people? Yeah. Because I was also at a time where the e-store was a thing. I was just so, about to say, know. and they had the yeah, the virtual console existed. Like, Yeah, yeah. you could just go and get Link, get it, it Link was, to the Past. It was uh, the golden age yeah. of uh, Nintendo. Minish Cap was available for some people on the 3DS shop. Yeah. <laughs> it's still shitty. Like, there was still like Nintendo, yeah, but yeah. you could at least get Link to the Past. I think it was on the Wii U at least. I do think Link to the Past is on the Super Nintendo collection, is. which yeah. is cool. But yeah, Link to the Worlds is awesome. Uh, I don't think it gets enough credit. I mean, it's Zelda. All of them get credit. But I think like if you were to ask people, like, what are the best of the best? I don't know if this would always show up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I remember like at the time, a lot of outlets were like, this is really spectacular. And I yeah. just think in, in now almost the 10 years since it's come out, I, I don't know if, if people still have that. It's tough because it. I feel like. It is innovative within Zelda and Breath of the Wild is innovative within games overall. <laughs> so it's like yeah. they they have different ambitions. Yeah, you're totally right. But if you're a fan of top down Zeldas, especially, I think I think this might be like one of the best ones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a link between worlds. Yeah. More on that in the in the 3DS special. Absolutely. I yeah. I think uh, I don't know. Imagine if I had to guess. Uh, we'll, we'll be bringing more 3DS stuff to the show. Yeah, over the I, next think, I mean, weeks. we're going to do New Leaf at least. Yeah. Probably bring Awakening again just to mess with some heads. You know? <laughs> 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 there are a couple of games I'm really excited to check out that I haven't yet. Um, one of them that I don't really know anything about, but I keep seeing on lists of like, get this before the eShop closes, is a game called LBX Little Battlers Experience. It looks honestly like Pokemon, but mechs. Oh, cool. The thing about it that's really interesting, and it's good that I brought up Fantasy Life already, it's also by level five. Yeah, it's they like, had a lot of stuff on 3DS. Yeah, it's like DS. they had a lot of like, hey, we're trying to set up franchises here, you know? Yeah. And and this was just another one that I, I don't know if it ever moved on past that game, but I've heard a lot of really good Did things about it. Did they also do Attack of the Friday Monsters? No, I think that's just, uh, oh, yeah, it was level five. It was level five and Millennium Kitchen. Oh, okay, who, who collaboration. Makes, yeah. Boku no Natsu wow. yeah. And then I think there's the uh, Professor Layton and... And, uh, and Ace, Ace Attorney, Attorney crossover, yeah. Yeah, which, which I'm I, excited to play. I did download that. I'm really excited about it. Uh, the, so the two Ace Attorney games on 3DS, like the, the mainline ones, Spirit of Justice and there's one other one, Dual Destinies, I think. Dual Destinies, yeah. They're both e-store only. Yeah. So I'm really curious if Capcom is going to back them up once that goes down. Yeah. Because like, those games are like pretty... like notably well preserved you can get them everywhere yeah and and those i think that's when the series creator left so those are mm. kind of like uh weirder entries from what i know that but is interesting i'm excited to play them billion pokemon games etc cetera, etc cetera. <laughs> uh yeah 3DS there, rules yeah there's a lot of stuff i'm really excited to start talking about 3ds stuff more uh, yeah because there are some games that i am excited to revisit and some things that i've always wanted to play uh, absolutely so look forward to that uh that'll be on our patreon 
That'll be on Patreon. Uh, I think we're aiming to to record that 3DS special like February or March. Yeah, we'll let you know, but we're gonna do that early this year. Yeah, I th- I think you know as as I said earlier in the episode, like we could sit down right now and record it right now, but I think giving us like at least a month or two to like you know I want to put like ten hours into Link Between Worlds again before I make up my mind on that yeah. one. things like that, and uh, to do that with a bunch of games, it's gonna take a little while. Uh, yeah, so give it's us some fun. time, but uh, but but we're doing it. My 3DS is right in front of us. Right, right you can play us. Dylan's Rolling Western World. I can play Dylan's called. Rolling Western World. You're yeah. totally right. Yeah, I'm really excited about that too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what else should we talk about before we sign off? Uh, this is this is your what have you been up to section. So I'm all ears. Oh, I w- I thought we were wrapping up. Oh, uh, we're wrapping up. Yeah. I w- mean, I'm just really I you know again I love this time of year. I'm really excited for we we between uh recording segments when we were taking a break we were talking about like ideas for february and march bonuses yeah which we normally don't plan that far ahead but i think because we like already arrived because full disclosure sometimes we don't know what the bonus is going to be until like a couple weeks into a month yeah this is the first like like january 2nd we're like yeah we have an idea and it's like also like a sort of new idea yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The new leaf one's gonna be very fun. Yeah, and honestly, the one we picked for February, I'm really excited about. Should we just say it now, or should we wait? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. So, <laughs> February's bonus. Speaking of Zelda, is going to be the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, which I've never played. So you never played all the way through, and I think yeah. we're going to play that on the 3DS. Yeah. Um, but you can also play that on N64 on Switch. I would recommend though, if you have a 3DS and you haven't played Ocarina of Time, that version is like easily the best way to play it in my opinion mm. i was blown away by the remake because when that came out my 64 was still in pretty okay shape and i'm like why would i get this i have it already and now i'm like no 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 young fool yeah it's the best version <laughs> you can not have to pause every time you switch to iron boots in the water temple <laughs> so i will say um unrelated to bonuses just looking well, i guess a little bit semi-related to bonuses i'm looking at um our air table it's another patreon perk uh, I'm looking at our air table right now, just of like the upcoming list of games for January. And by the time we're done with the Animal Crossing bonus is when Fire Emblem Engage is coming out. Yeah, I'm really curious about that one. Yeah. I'm a little bit up in the air on like how I'm I, I'm a little bit more trepidatious of it. I'm watching people turn on it in real time. Yeah. It's very interesting. And I don't want to write it off before it comes out. I'm just like not crazy about the look of it. Yeah. But like. My hey. heart my heart is more open to Fire Emblem Engage than most, it seems. Uh, but even I am like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like at this point we might be contractually obligated to play it, given our show's connection to Fire Emblem. Yeah. I, I, it's something that I do kind of want a take on. <laughs> I know I opened this episode saying it's, it's nice to not feel anything about something. But uh, I'm curious about it. I think if it's like, you know, because we've mentioned many times like Three Houses is like one of our favorite games. And I think that... If there's any room for improvement, though, I do think when you play a game like Awakening, you can see like, oh, yeah, like even though it doesn't stand out as bad, like the map design and the tactics part of Three Houses is a little bit less than some past entries yeah. where that was like the bigger focus. Yeah, totally. Um, so I think if this game is like more focused on that, I can kind of excuse not caring about the story or characters as much, mm. but we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, it's not out yet. Yeah. So I mean, I can't when, wait to yeah. spend Marth bucks. <laughs> 
Is that what they're called? No. <laughs> doesn't it, I, you and I just keep talking about how it feels like a game that should be riddled with microtransactions. Yeah, well, there is day one DLC for the Three Houses Lords. This was the thing I was saying during the yeah. last Nintendo Direct was like, why are you... I don't know. It was during the, the Game Awards. During the Game Awards, they had a new trailer for Fire Emblem Engage that was all about the day one DLC. And I was like, I don't even know what the game is yeah, yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> Tell yeah. me what the game is before we you're selling your DLC. We still don't know like, why Marth is hanging out with us. <laughs> So outside well, of like tweets from the Nintendo account, which I love the Nintendo account and I love their tweets. Yeah. But, uh, it's maybe not Sometimes the best of the Nintendo account is like the squirrel on Yggdrasil where it's like, we're getting like weird <laughs> versions of the truth. Yeah. You know, is that also Prezi D it is? Yeah. yeah. I love him as that role. No, the Nintendo account. I mean, Oh, <laughs> honestly, yes, probably. <laughs> uh, given his sense of humor, probably. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. What, I'm I'm very open to you know. I there have been multiple times where you and I are like indifferent or negative. Like Death Stranding is a great example. Or like mm-hmm. when that was coming out, we're like, what is this? Yeah. Neither of us really interested, and we both ended up loving it. You yeah. especially. Yeah. So I'm I'm open to be proven wrong. But yeah, Engage comes out, and also a few other like Square Enix games, right? Um, Octopath Two, I believe. That's February. Oh, okay. Um, Forspoken comes out in January. Right. I heard that demo was not very good. I have a download on my PS5. I haven't played it yet. Yeah. Um, but I, I've heard that didn't demo very well so we'll see anyway excited about january january's got a lot going on the crisis core uh remake is already out and i haven't played it yet but i want to i have it on the switch cool i forgot i totally forgot about it i played it (laughs) well we're in my update section i played two hours of the crisis core remake um here i'll yeah give me a zach pitch i'll say this before you, I guess, you know, you play it and we'll do like a real segment about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. The thing that's most surprising about it to me and the thing that might endear me to it is it reminds me a lot of Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days Interesting. on the DS in that it's a game. It's weird now because it's like been remade for major consoles. You know, it's like right. on Xbox and PS5 and like Steam and stuff. But it's a game that very clearly was mechanically designed to be played on a handheld. It was a PSP, right? It was a PSP yeah. game. And the game is about like... 358 over two days like almost exactly it's about zach like choosing from a list of missions and like going out and doing a mission then coming back and like tweaking a bunch of things and like preparing and that's when you're supposed to save and turn your psp off or like put it in rest mode and then turn it back on and then go to another mission you know when you're on the subway or whatever it's very clearly built to be a game that's played in like really short sittings yeah which is why i've played so little of it so far is because i keep like turning it on doing a mission turning it off coming back to it like a week later wow um that's interesting it's cool yeah I will say it looks stunning on the Switch. It's like, oh, wow. it's like shocking how good it looks on the Switch. Yeah. I don't really understand it, honestly, because <laughs> it looks just like Final Fantasy VII Remake, but it's on the Switch. Um, that's wild. But that said, it's also available for you know PS5 and Xbox, so maybe get it there instead. Yeah, I also have, you had to tell me to not buy a Dirge or Cerberus a few days ago, <laughs> and I feel like I just have this weird desire to check out all the weird spinoff stuff. I don't I don't know what it is, but like the winds of the world are conspiring, I think, for a Dirge of Service remake also. <laughs> I keep seeing people talk about it like openly as if like it's a thing that we all know is coming. It's like, so funny to see like every now and then something that's like pretty much universally ignored or cr- like criticized yeah. becomes something everyone wants again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Dirge of Cerberus. Dirge. Coming soon to the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> That's our first Aether prediction of 2023. That's like a middle of the show. This is being ported today mm-hmm. announcement. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, 
we've talked so much already. Yeah, it's uh, been long. It's maybe time to wrap up. Uh, what else we got? Go to Into the Castle Online. It's our link to yes. everything, including our new Mastodon accounts. Uh, so you can you can find that, uh, including the Tumblr. Go check out the show notes for the Animal Crossing New Leaf Tumblr. Please yes. join us there. Yes, I'm very excited to see who joins us for that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how much more we need to do in this episode. We've done so much <laughs> rambling <laughs> updates, whatever. Thank you for being here. If this is your first regular episode of the show, thank you for being here. If you've been here all along, then thank you for coming back. Yeah, thank you. This, this For whatever reason, this year was the year where I realized how long we've been doing the show. <laughs> and it's really cool to think about, you know, people have stuck around from the very beginning. Yeah. So yeah. thank you so much. And thank you for joining us. This is your first real episode. Yeah. All that having been said, my name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at brendanbigley.com. I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger and Stephen Hilger Art. BB. Bye-bye. <laughs> 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 Bye-bye. Worst garbage, the online.